Hey guys, it's Anthony from the Jock and Nerd Podcast, and you're about to listen to the Ant-Man Review. It's the Jock and Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Imran. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Jocket Nerd Podcast. This is our ant-sized Ant-Man review. My name is Imran. And my name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And welcome to the ant-sized review of Ant-Man. Anthony, what did you think of the movie? I liked it. I liked it too. Thanks for listening to episode 26 of the Ant-Man show, the Jocket Nerd Podcast. As always, my name's Imran. And my name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we'll catch you next time. Oh, you think people actually did that for real on their podcast when they were reviewing this show? (laughs) Like, did a small review, like an Ant-Man? You know how, like, Ant-Man had the tiny-sized trailer? So we did a tiny review That was fucking, that was horrible. That was so cheesy. That would be such a waste. That would be just, like, 20 seconds of... Anyways, listener, we were... Do we get you? If you were a new listener, we might have got you. And, yes, we were fucking with you. Uh, and it was really we bad. Were. It was horrible. It was nerd. It was horrible. But that was Imran's. I'm going to go and say that was not my idea. That was Imran's idea the whole way. I wonder. I should have left some more silence uh, after the thing. Anyways, you think people would stop tuning in? Do you think we've lost people? You think they just turned it off there? Be like, oh, that was that was the whole review. Okay. Well, All right. Good. Next Thanks one. for saving Next my podcast. T- no, we have. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. This is a giant man sized. Ant Marvel's Ant-Man review. So, listener, you're listening to episode 26 of the Jock and Nerd podcast, and I'm not going to intro ourselves because we already did it twice. Twice. So you should yes. know who we are. Uh, Anthony, how's it going? It's going great, man. <laughs> How are you? Good. Uh, I was. You're gonna... always catching me when we're recording podcasts after a night out of heavy drinking. Again, so. I, I, you know what? I don't think I would have it any other way because it just provides for lots of fun stories. Do you have another I one? I have my voice though. Yeah, I'm glad you at least took care of your voice and drank some fucking tea before you went out. I don't know what you did, but you did well. So, but it was a good time back out all all time all, at all age. Uh, what is it? What am I trying to say? At all times saying? of the morning. It's always Chicago summers are the best, man. They really are. Chicago is a great town uh, to be in during the summer. There's so much to do. And uh, especially when it's really hot during the day, then you just go out at night and it's perfect. Lots of refreshing beverages to be had. Lots of refreshing people <laughs> to be had. Well, guys, th- listener, <laughs> what? Huh? What? I don't know. Oh, I don't shit. Listen. Listener, thanks for joining us. Uh, and if you're a new listener, uh, welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Um, before we start, I wanted to mention the music a little bit, because I think we've only mentioned the music like way back in episode two. And oh, uh, our music. Yeah, okay. the music we use in Sweepers, the intro and outro. It's actually really good friends of mine down the street, um, uh, Gabriel Taylor and Charles Williams playing some gypsy jazz for you guys. And I went and recorded it live. And I actually went and I recorded some new music. Oh, wow. So we'll have a couple of new uh, little sweepers. But what I really got them to do, which is what I'm really excited by, about, is that I have an awesome gypsy jazz version of the 1960s Spider Man theme song. Oh, shit. 
Uh, oh. It's so cool. It's like a two minute version. And in fact, they got into it. They thanked me. They were like, they're gonna throw it into like their rotation of sets. They're like, this is a great song. Thanks for like making. They played like a couple of versions to work it out, and I recorded different versions. But uh, and I put out a clamor of it, and we'll get to clamor a little bit later uh, of just 18 seconds. And I think at the end of the show, I'll put the whole clip in, and uh, nice. listeners, you will, listener, you will enjoy it, Spidey Gypsy Jazz style. And Do they play. Um do they play EDM at all? Uh, no, I don't think it's possible <laughs> to play electronic music on an on acoustic guitar? guitar. Well, no, it is. If you run it through processors and loop it and tweak it and fucking Moby the shit out of it, I suppose. We're going to have to remix this stuff. You can. Uh, speaking of remix, that leads into the clamor. Uh, but before oh, we get to go. the clamor, we have some uh, feedback. from oh, wow. Yeah, from our uh, Jurassic World review. Oh shit! That episode. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a big that's movie. A it's ago. still a big movie, listener. If you yeah. want to hear it, you can go to jockandnerd.com slash Jurassic World. I think it was episode twenty something one two. I don't some, know. Yeah, but this that mess- was a while ago. Yeah, it was, and it was a, it was a fun show. And uh, remember how he kept mentioning the the assistant who died a horrible, torturous death by the. And we're like, what 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 is going on? Why do they keep showing this? We just didn't understand. So our buddy David Malofsky. From a place to hang your cape, uh, left us a voicemail from overseas regarding this. Check it out. Hey, Jack and Nerd. It's David from A Place to Hang Your Cape again. I just listened to your um, Jurassic World podcast, and I wanted to comment on the, uh, the babysitter chick who dies so horribly. So apparently, and this is from IMDb, but apparently that is the first woman, female character who is killed by a dinosaur on Island Nublar or in oh, any of the shit. Jurassic Park movies. So I think what they wanted to do is just like emphasize the fact that they were killing a woman and that's why the death got so like violent and drawn out. And I don't think that it was because the character deserved it because it was literally that fans had kept commenting that Oh, you know, all, only men are dying in these films. Why aren't you know women dying? Why can't the women die? Or, you, you know, being misogynistic or whatever. But then again, I think killing the woman is worse. I don't know. Anyway, thought I'd shed some light on that because you guys have mentioned it, and it's because she's the first woman to die by a dinosaur. Anyway, talk to you guys soon. Chocolate nerd. Thank you, David, for the speak pipe. He used speak Where the pipe. hell was he? It sounded like he was in the midst of a rainstorm. I think he, I think he was storm. on Isla Nublar. As he went. probably was. Yeah. But then you could hear the sirens in the background. Yeah, they were trying to chase down that last T-Rex that got away. But I did not. I, that's pretty interesting. I did not know that. That was the first. I didn't realize that either. Woman killed uh, ceremonially by the dinosaur. And they sure, boy, they made sure to drive that point home. Yeah, I I feel like that's worse. Like, okay, we're going to kill a woman really horribly, and she doesn't deserve it at all. I didn't understand. But again, David, thank you so much. Uh, You guys, also, that's how you can be part of the show. If you visit speakpipe.com slash jockandnerd or look in the show notes, tap the SpeakPipe link, you can easily record your audio and send it straight to us, and now you're a part of the show. Now, David Malofsky is editor and cape of an awesome new superhero culture website. And I just mentioned it before. It's called A Place to Hang Your Cape. You can find this website at ap2hyc.com. They write really fun articles. They actually have a nice spoiler-free review of 
Ant-Man right now. So if you're into spoiler-free shit, go read that, and you're probably not going to like the rest of the show. Uh, but if you've seen the movie and you want you want to talk spoilers, you're in the right place. Nice. Have you checked yeah, that's out? That's a great site. Yeah. Have you checked out some of the articles there, Anthony? Yeah, I have. I let Anthony. Um, I have. I I checked out the RoboCop one. Um, that was a couple of week a week or so ago. Yeah. But I've been on that site browsing. I feel like that site. I feel like we're gonna. I'm going to be looking at that site a lot more. Well, listener, I, I, I also mentioned this. Like, We might as well make this official. If you visit ap2hyc.com, a place to hang cape right now, you will see on the sidebar uh, our buddy Peter Kendall's show, Geek Chorus, being promoted. And right, right underneath, you may notice a very familiar logo of two doodled fucking dopey heads. Because the Jock and Nerd podcast is now- Speak for yourself. Being, I, I don't look dopey. Well, you're, you're, yeah, you know your drawing is very handsome, I gotta say. <laughs> I have the banner up that we use at the live show, and uh, you know, you're like life-size, like smiling down at me like a fucking Adonis. Every, yeah, exactly. And, and anywhere you go in that room, it's like the Mona Lisa. I'm still looking at you. Yeah, it follows – your eyes follow me around, which is weird because I, I drew it, and I did not intend for it to do that. But it's kind of like Vigo from Ghostbusters too. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, David David loves our show. He thinks it would be a great fit on the site, and he's going to post uh, – as our shows come out, he's going to post – an article uh, about each show giving us exposure on this site is from London. And he actually, you know, what was really cool. He just went to, they had the London film and festival con. It was like a London comic con. And mm-hmm. uh, on Skype, he was like, Hey, add me on Skype and I'll send you some photos. So I had him on Skype and early like Saturday morning, my Skype's blowing up on my phone and it's him and his buddy in there. They, what they did was they kind of gave each other a photo scavenger hunt. They're like, go find a picture of this with this. And then they would go back and forth and post it on Skype. And it was really cool. David himself dressed up as the black uh, daredevil from Netflix series. Oh yeah. Like the African American daredevil. No, no black suit daredevil, early ninja daredevil. So they had a lot of fun and I think they met Dan slot. There was a photo of Dan slot, uh, in one of those things. And there's a whole, there's a whole thing working over there with, with the geek course boys. And I think we're going to be a part of that. We had a bunch of Twitter, uh, let me, let me just explain because we have a lot of new listeners that probably don't listen to podcasts. Yes. So for all the new listeners, nothing is changing. You can still listen to our podcast on our website in like iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all those platforms. It's just a place to hang your cape is another site that is kind of promoting us and a site that we would recommend you go to sometimes or every day maybe and read their articles. And they also are adding us as some content onto their site. So yeah, it's a nice similar to Yeah, similar to us and Martin and our over at Podcast PH. We got a right. home over in Philippines, Podcast PH. We got a home over in London at uh, a place to hang your cape. And really their articles are very unique. Like they, the, And it's so much fun. They reviewed the first Tick cartoon and I love Tick and a very refreshing point of view. And we are going to have David on. I think it's the next show. We're going to the next show. Yeah, yeah. we're we're all going to get to meet David and what you know what his mission. We'll statement learn more is. about that site. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he has a crazy story about how he got on the show, and I know what it involves. It involves all of this involves Parvez Parvizi, co-founder of Clamor. Wow. This all still goes back to that if you think about it. Yeah, this is all because of his ass. Yep. So, uh, listen. Pie eating ass. Yeah, man. And he loves his pies and he loves short audio content. Uh, listener, if you're not familiar, Clamor is an awesome new little audio 
Instagram type app. It's like the Instagram for audio. You can share 18 second clips of audio, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a part of a song, whether it's a part of a stand up, whether it's just you talking into the thing. You can remix other podcasts. You could put beats on it. For an example of this, visit jockinerd.com and you'll see our little clamor uh, embedded widget and you can play all our clamors. I'll put a link in the show notes, which you're going to be able to find at jockinerd.com slash antman or jockinerd.com slash 26. You can download Clamor to your device. Follow at Jock and Nerdcast. You can Clamor us. You can hear us put out funny bits. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. But Parvez being the networking madman has, it's because of him we're on Philippines on sound on uh, podcast.ph. It's because of him we met Peter Kendall and I've had a blast going on Peter's show and geeking out and having him on our show and geeking out about Spider-Man, which leads to David Molofsky and us going on that. Like, this is crazy random stories. And I feel, I believe David has an even crazier random story to add to this. You know, nice. Anthony, another thing, so check out Clamor. Another thing I wanted to mention about David which is very unique, is for the first time, we are going to be able to talk to someone who has actually listened to every single show. I believe, remember a couple episodes ago, he took 10 of our shows on holiday. He said he kind of wants to listen to every show before he comes on. And so my first thought is, he's fucking power listening to all of our shows. Like, that's really going to mess him up. I hope that doesn't affect him psychologically. This could be devastating. We could have a broken mind by the time we come around to record his show. But think about that. Uh, His mind is definitely, I mean, there's... His mind might be mush by the end of it. But how? He, it's it's just like it's like taking the most psychedelic <laughs> drugs oh, over shit. and over and over and over and over. But this is why I, would, I wouldn't recommend this. Uh, this is not no, no, good I, for anyone. I thoughts. would recommend it. We're gonna find out. But how excited are you that we have this opportunity to actually talk to a listener, a legit person who's listened to every show? And honestly, Kevin Heldon from Three Six Five Flicks Podcast, I thought it was gonna be you first, but I think David's gonna slacking. be. I think David's gonna be you because I know he's listened to every show also. But we'll, we will talk to them. We're gonna we're gonna co podcast with them. David is more like he's not a podcaster. Maybe he wants to start one. Maybe I can get him to start one. Oh no! But I'm just excited. I, does he have questions for us? Like listening to every show, we can ask him like what he thinks. Like this that I'm super psyched. It's gonna be a great show. You get excited about the littlest things, you know. Well, it's the little things in life. <laughs> I mean, come on. I have fun. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, great. Thanks but, for listening to all our episodes, man. Right, but we we haven't had a chance to actually it's talk true. to someone who's been through this whole journey with us. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I, excited. Would, I would say I feel, kind of, I feel bad that he's listened to every episode and powered <laughs> through it like that because it's not meant to be list- It's not meant to be powered through. Or is it? We'll find out. It? We'll find out, really. <laughs> because if you think about all the TV shows, like you could kind of go through all the shows real quick if you power. I don't know. He powered through a lot. There's a lot of fucking. I mean, shit. we have. That's a lot of hours. And I don't even. That's think, a lot of wasted time. <laughs> I don't even think you have listened to every episode. No, have you? No. <laughs> I. I don't think. I, honestly, honestly, I don't think I've listened to every episode. Like. The last no. couple I did, but in the beginning, I was like, okay, that's fine. Just let's go. Let's do the those. Next were, one. Those ones were so bad. We were learning. Nerd. We, were we learning. would play music and then we'd fuck it up and we'd just leave in the music that we fucked up. We were, <laughs> we were learning. 
Oh shit! Uh, no and, editing. We thought it was live. We recorded it like we were going live. Live to hard drive. We still are live to hard drive. All this shit is live. I like I like pretending we're live because the energy, the live energy is great. It comes across, and you know people just think it's live. Because uh, all those people were watching on our Periscope last week, so yeah, I like doing it live. Zero viewers. Uh, so listen, <laughs> I mentioned before you can find show notes for all the stuff we're going to talk to you at jockandair.com slash twenty six jockandair.com slash amen. Now, if you have any input, any comments, suggestions, just like. Davis did, you can send us a speak pipe. If you go to speakpipe.com slash jockandnerd or tap the little button at our website, you can email us, show at jockandnerd.com, Twitter at jockandnerdcast, and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, so there's going to be time codes in the show notes, listener. We're going to do a little bit of news. We're going to get to our Ant-Man discussion, and then I have an amazing section about the crazy history of Ant-Man that we have to go over, because this would not be a complete show if I don't get to turn people on. Nerd out. If I don't get to nerd out about fucking crazy ass Ant-Man is awesome in, in the Marvel comics. So, let's get to some news. Talking nerd! How awesome is that? That's cool. That's fucking awesome. I'll play the whole clip at the end of the show. You guys gotta, it's a great, it's a great Gypsy Jazz Spider-Man version. Now, the news, people. Uh, Anthony, you wanted to talk about this little bit of news that came out about X-Men Apocalypse, which is the next movie after X-Men Days of Futures Past, which takes place in the 80s and obviously deals with the mutant villain Apocalypse. Yes, I did want to talk about this because... I cannot believe how badly they botched how Apocalypse looks. <laughs> well, so listener, <laughs> if you have not seen these photos, um, you know, go to our website to jockandnerd.com slash 26 because in the show notes and podcatchers, you usually don't see the the images. I'm going to put photos of this in there. So you can tap the thing and it'll take you to the actual website page and you will see that Apocalypse uh, kind of looks like Power Rangers villain. He looks like Ivan Ooze. And this is a thing. Ivan Ooze. Can you do his Ivan voice? Ooze. What did he sound like? Because I'm too old to have watched oh, any fucking Power what Rangers. Sound like? what, was his, was like, what was his catchphrase? He didn't really have a catchphrase. He just had a lot of purple ooze that would come out of sewers and what, stuff. He what? wanted to, he he wanted to yeah. mind warp everybody, all the parents. It only worked on adults. It didn't work on kids, and the, the adults would become zombies and work for them. And they wanted to, they wanted to like jump off a cliff. That's kind of like Apocalypse uh, himself, too, if you think about it. Like he Here's the thing. People. This has been going around the internet. I made it. I have to be perfectly honest, or I'm being perfectly honest when I say I made this connection on my own. I did yeah. not look at oh, the yeah. internet. No. I saw what Apocalypse looked like and was like, he looks kind of familiar. And then yeah. I looked up <laughs> Ivan Ooze. I was like, holy fuck. You're like, why? What does this remind me of? And literally, it's dead on. It's like yeah, uh, the same tint of purple. Uh, so I also have illustrations. And if you scroll down, Anthony, this is that. cosplay from Club Cosplay on Facebook. This fucking cosplay is a million times better than the actual big budget movie version of Apocalypse. I don't understand why they didn't make him look like this cosplay. Because I, I always imagine... Apocalypse to be huge, like Dark Seed, Dark Side, and, and yeah, Thanos size. Yeah, Marvel Studios nailed Thanos. That's how right. fucking he should look. He's a big fucking dude who's like nine feet tall and big as a fucking truck. Now, uh, maybe this is just an early version. Maybe that's what my friend Irwin, who we had on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, oh Irwin, I miss Irwin. How's he doing? Yeah, on the Flash review, he's going. He goes. Maybe this isn't Apocalypse's final form. 
Yeah, because this but, is in the shot early on, Storm and Psylocke are with him. And, you know, those two traditionally are good guys. Well, so, he can he can mind warp or he can uh, mind control people in this movie, apparently. So hopefully but they're, they're not. Much, he's not much bigger no, than Psylocke. No, which is it's laughable. So hopefully this is just uh, because Apocalypse is a great villain. Now, say what you will about him. The only reason I'm going to see this fucking movie is holy shit. Olivia Dunn as Psylocke. Olivia Geek Munn. Boner. Olivia is done as Olivia Munn is done as Psylocke. I meant Olivia. I meant Olivia Munn. She looks amazing. She and I've always thought she was fucking smoking. And goddamn, like uh, that, it, she looks great. She looks poured into that suit, ripped right out of the comic books. I will go see that movie just for her. I hope she's, she's in really every hot. scene. Holy crap! Um, um, there's actually some controversy around her casting and uh, uh, Storms. Did you hear about this? Of course there is. This is fucking ridiculous. Is it? Is it I, what I thought I saw was that Storm is too light colored? She's too light skinned. What the fuck, people? What, Storm that is supposed to be, um, you know, from like Kenya or something. Well, no, I thought dark. she was uh, like from a tr- uh, tropical island. She originally had like uh, like a West Indies accent, didn't she? Oh, I don't know. Aurora? She, they, she, there's complaints Hold that on. she's too light skinned. That's ridiculous. There's complaints that Olivia Munn is not of Japanese descent. She's of oh Chinese descent. Oh my God. Who are these fucking idiot people that are uh, are making these claims? Because it's uh, Olivia Munn looks exactly like Psylocke from the fucking comic book. She looks good. They both look good, actually. Holy crap. She looks, yeah, they both look good. And Storm looks fine. She's got the mohawk. Looks it fine. looks badass. Yeah. She does look good. And she looks like she could grow up to be Halle Berry. Uh yeah, absolutely. Because was the original storm. So Aurora, the original Missy yeah, storm. Yeah, Aurora is a descendant of ancient line of African priestesses. Um, uh, she Did you that light skin. If you uh, lived in Africa, her mother was a princess of a tribe in Kenya who married an yeah. American. Photo- I don't think Kenyans are that light skinned. Wait, but she married an American photojournalist, David Monroe. Move with him to Manhattan. Aurora okay. Monroe was born. There you go. That explains it. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. She's fine. She's then I stand corrected. She should be that light skin. People are just so I don't know. Yes, yeah, I like looks fucking awesome. Oh, my God. So even that's like she, there's an article where my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one Olivia says that, the you know, the costume is just very sexual and like she's got the thigh strips and the thigh. High, uh, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Uh, so let's not be too chauvinistic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. Uh, These are real people, Emron, uh, yeah. not objects of our desire. Really hot people. Uh, yeah. Olivia. So here's the thing, listener. By the time you listen to this, this movie may be out and apocalypse may look badass and we may be wrong. So, oh, you think people are going to wait to listen to this podcast till next summer? They, listen, you could, somebody could be <laughs> listening to this 20 years from now. We don't know. That's somebody true. could be listening to this 50 years, this file, as long as the internet is around and I pay for your fucking lips and hosting, this file will exist. <laughs> so anybody can stumble across this piece of shit 20 years from now and future listener, I salute you. Jock and Nerd. Welcome to the there Jock and Nerd Empire stupidity in the future. Welcome. Our future, your present. Always. You're, you're, you're looking back at the present and you're saying, God, we were such Neanderthals. We were, Antony was a Neanderthal. All right, the uh, next thing, there was a little weird rumor. I don't know how much of uh, this is true, but Fox and Marvel in talks to maybe bring X-Men back into the MCU. Where'd you see this? 
Well, this is from Heroic Universe, but they are citing a Facebook page, I think. Oh, God. Yeah. Why would you put this <laughs> in the show notes? Uh, it comes from Pete's Basement Facebook page via yeah. Mikey Sutton. Uh, Pretty how- goddamn credible. However, sometimes these things work out. It says, anyways, Marvel and Fox process are breaking up. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Look, I think... If it, maybe it's possible they saw what they've done with Spider Man and got excited, and maybe everybody wants to play nice, but whatever. Don't take that. I'll with believe a, it when I see take it. Take that with a grain of salt. Right. Moving on, listener. This next bit of news is made, has me super geeked out because it, there's two things I love more than anything: comic books and smoking. No, smoking cigarettes. Okay, there's three things I love. Now that well, that's just a byproduct of uh, no, of nothing. I don't. I love smoking my e-cig, but <laughs> two things that are a passionate, close, near and dear to me: comic books and old school hip hop. Early hip hop. I love hip hop from the late '80s to the early '90s. Like I kind of started listening when it was being uh, uh, developed as an art form when it was new and it was fun and the songs didn't all sound the same and they didn't all just sing about how much money and, and chains they're wearing. It was actually <laughs> creative and there was, there was, you know, they were amazing things. So Marvel this October is kicking it old school. They're going to have a version of variant covers that are homages to classic hip hop albums, dude. This is so cool. It is good. It's actually really cool. Do you recognize? Do you recognize any of these albums, Anthony? Let me pull them up. Yeah, real quick. Marvel kicks it old school. See, I'm a big fan of Two Chains right now. So no, that's not old school, motherfucker. <laughs> that's not old school. That's not any school. That's fucking crappy, shitty new school. <laughs> uh, basically, they they do uh, one of my favorite fucking albums of all time, Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauder. They are doing a Spider-Man cover where Spidey's hanging upside down, and in the back, instead of faces of uh, Tribe Called Quest members or the the Native Tongue family, which is like a bunch of people, they have all of Spidey's like villains, and uh, they also have an awesome Eric B. and Rakim paid in full cover with Deadpool. And Spidey, and Spidey's got a big fucking gold uh, medallion, and um, they do the Chronic, fucking Dr. Dre's classic, the Chronic, as the Mystic, with Dr. Strange in the middle. Is Uh, this 50 Cent one, or legit one too? Yeah, the the uh, Invincible, ride or die, trying. Yeah, they do. uh, It's not a classic. Well, they do classic old school. They do uh, uh, Notorious B.I.G., the baby cover as the astonishing ant and it's little Ant-Man baby. And another one of my favorite ones is the De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. They do with the X-Men like this is they're so great. I have to buy all of these. They also do like uh, the Wu-Tang. There's a Wu-Tang version with is that um, Avengers? Doctor Strange as the the chronic, the mystic. Yeah, that's so good. That's pretty cool. I love these. I'm going to have to buy all these. They're coming out in October, Lister. If you guys really want something unique, like this is a gr- just a great combination of two things that I love. Just like Hip Hop Family Tree by Ed Piscor. I started reading that, Anthony. We're going to. Uh, I heard about this. Yeah. So we're eventually, the, we're, I'm going to, I want to do a show about uh, Hip Hop Family Tree. This guy does in comic book form, traces the birth of hip hop from like the 70s. Uh, very meticulously, very heavily researched. It's really good. So. Look for all that stuff. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, 
we look at these numbers of our downloads of our show, right, Anthony? You're kind of obsessed yep. with it, right? I look at them. And I think it's been about four months, but we've gotten to the point where we can kind of see trends. We kind of are starting to like, okay, I think this is how many subscribers we have. These similar numbers, you know, shows hit a certain number amount of time. And when they don't reflect that trend, we're like, hey, what the fuck? For example, our last episode was the Terminator, Terminator. Genesis Review. Now, that episode similar to the movie in the theater seems to be dying a slow death. Yeah. There's no, I mean, we're not going to reveal numbers, but that one is not trending Basically, as highly as past episodes. Not a lot of interest would you say, right? No. no. Uh, just like the movie, just like the movie. So I found no. this, the, <laughs> I found this article on Forbes uh, and it kind of does explain it's six reasons Terminator Genesis bombed a parentheses in America. And okay. I, I kind of agree real quick. Let's go over this. I kind of agree with the guy says, you know, a lot of it comes from just bad timing. Uh, first of all, he says the marketing was terrible. We all agree. They, okay, the marketing was terrible. It, the trailer did nothing. They gave away a big plot point, which really didn't give away a huge plot point, even help, you know, people coming in. Uh, you know, they got James Cameron to give it a plug late in the game. I don't think that helped at all. Uh, when, uh, you know, he later talked shit about one of Alan Taylor's other movies. Like, it was just confusing. Apparently, there was some kind of game that they were going to release, like an app that you could play the Terminator game, like, before the movie in IMAX or actually during the movie. You would be playing this. Yeah, I'm seeing this now, and right? I, I don't. I don't, I don't know about this game. I don't. A good thing I did. I never heard. I don't it, think so. they ever did it. Because it's just that, but this tells you the desperation in their marketing. Uh, number two, the reviews were terrible. We mentioned it had 27% uh, positive score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, bad. Average, not even five out of 10, 4.7. Uh, you know, so that doesn't help, but doesn't necessarily doom a movie. But he says that this movie was never really a hotly anticipated summer property. There, you know, there was, uh, they thought that old school fans would rush out, kind of like Jurassic World, to see this movie, and it didn't really happen, did it? Well, the problem is, is the last, well, I guess this is a problem with Jurassic, Jurassic Park, though, came out in the 90s. Terminator was like 80s, it's almost early 90s older, as well. yeah. It's older, and the last two, well, Salvation put a really bad, I, I, you know what, that, that point, though, Jurassic Park 3 was really bad, too, so, I don't know. You mean review-wise? Review wise and just yeah. review wise, and if you watch the and, movie and you yeah. have a fucking mind, it's bad there too. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know about that one, but I, yeah, I guess I would say that it really, there wasn't a lot a, of answers. It's a com It's really a combination of all these points. Number three, yeah. he says it wasn't the main event. Uh, he basically says, suggest uh, think of an alternate timeline where Jurassic World and Inside Out just played how they people thought they were going to play box office wise. In that mm -hmm. Earth Two, uh, Terminator probably would have been fine. Decent right. average, but uh, this didn't happen. No. Uh, Jurassic World and Pixar's movie outperformed way better than what they thought, throwing everything off. And you know, now there's all these. You know, it doesn't help that it's a it's not a family friendly movie, really. Even though it's PG thirteen, which is the next point is. I love this point. That PG thirteen didn't help. They should have just made a fucking R rated movie. Yeah, I don't know. They sacrificed. Let's say, but let's say if you throw, but here's the thing: throw in the gore. All right, throw in some gore in this R-rated movie. Would that, like, would say, it have helped? 
you, then you have a less of an audience though. I mean, this but movie they, is still not that great. But that's what that was the that was the risk. That was the gamble. They were like, eh, you know, let's go soft to get a wider audience. But then they're like, oh, all the Terminator fans are come out. But the younger audiences have tons of things to watch at this point. All these kid friendly movies. The older hardcore Terminator fans, they would rather see an R-rated movie. So now you just fucked both demos. You know what? I think these next two points are, are the ones I agree with most. Number five, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a box office draw anymore. That's, oh, that's shit. big. I don't think that's, that's a surprise a to anyone, though. And it is a big point. It's I think even maybe the franchise has kind of become irrelevant. And that's number six. And that's number six. But both those points kind of go together. But I, I agree. Uh, even as a huge Terminator fan, I think I mentioned this in the last show. I'm yeah. a huge Terminator fan. Yeah. What happened with me is Salvation, I was really excited for us. Christian Bale in a, in a Terminator movie. Then it fucked everything up, and I was so disappointed. I'm a huge Terminator fan, and I wasn't even anticipating this movie. Right? Nobody was. There I don't was know. No excitement. I don't know who they thought was going to run out to this movie right away and watch I it. I thought it was a bad idea from the start in terms of making an old Arnie back in Terminator. Yeah. I just thought that was a bad idea. It's one last grasp. And, and I didn't think the movie was that bad. I was not anticipating it. I mean, when Arnold has not had a huge hit, uh, carried a movie in in a long time. Long time. Long, long time. And this, this, this didn't help. So. Unfortunately, all these things have just kind of kept, and we I will do the numbers when we get into the AMA discussion. I have a couple of box office numbers about the movies we have reviewed on the show to kind of compare and contrast. But man, this was uh, the movie cost one hundred fifty five million dollars, and but our downloads reflect that. Eh, you know what, though, listener, I suggest go back, fuck the movie, save the money, listen to our show because what is in that show is really awesome Terminator comic book um, information. You can read. Yeah. If you really miss what Terminator is about, listen to the second half of the show. Pick up some of those comic books. They are more true to the essence and the joy and the fun of Terminator franchise than movies three, four, and five, basically. That's what I think. Yes. Yes, yeah. I agree with everything you just said. So, you know, whatever. We review movies, and it's just interesting how it kind of, you know, our Jurassic World. I'm, I'm honestly very surprised, though, that it, it I mean, I reading this, I, I know that it bombed, and there's a lot of reasons. I'm very surprised though that it, it got such negative reviews. Yeah, right. Because it, it wasn't that. We, bad. That's what we said. We said it in the last episode. It was, it wasn't a fucking disaster, but it was just all these things. It's I think it's irrelevant. It's become irrelevant. It's 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 can be looked back now. I mean, it's going to be classified as, as a disaster. Yeah, everything about it. The, the review, the timing of the release, the reviews, the the spoiling of the tra- of the big plot point in the trailer. Everything it just it's killed the franchise. However, in it the sucks. Ar- in the article, he also says if this thing makes it up in worldwide money, it's gonna they'll get. They're one. gonna do another one because really that's what a lot of these movies that bomb here they live off you know the global box office. So well, the thing is, is you have to look at. So I don't know if the production budget came out on this, but they can't just one hundred fifty-five million. I think it costs. So the, the rule of thumb is they have to double that in total revenue because that doesn't include marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So and these movies can't just even. So they have to double that to make. So and uh, oh boy, I'll show you. I, I think I have box office numbers of what it's made so far. It's not good. Um, uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're okay. we're, we're uh, let's. That's about it uh, for the news, listener. Uh, we're gonna Perfect. move into the meat and potatoes, the tiny size giant man review of Marvel's Ant Man. But first, this. 
Hey guys, it's the Jock here from the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Want to thank you for listening to our show. Shout out to podcast.ph in the Philippines for carrying our show, distributing it across the world. Since you are listening to this show, you could go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, whatever podcast platform you are listening to the show on, and give us a quick review as well as subscribe. It really helps the show, helps get our content out there for people to find much easier. Thanks again for listening to the show. Back to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Jock and Nerd! Well, here we are at the Ant-Man part of the show. Before... The meat and potatoes. The potatoes. The yummy, yummy. Ooh, yummy. Um, <laughs> yummy, yummy in my tummy. Uh, let's do the numbers before we talk about uh, the movie itself, Anthony. What do you think? What do you think? Of the movie? You want to talk about the movie or the numbers? We're talking about the numbers. Okay. Well, before we even get into the numbers, if you are listening to this podcast right now. Oh, yeah. We got to do. We will be spoiling the shit out of the movie. Jock and Nerd. So this is official Jock and Nerd spoiler disclaimer. So if you uh, just want to hear about the comic book and man part, check uh, check out the show notes. You can jump to that part. Uh, but if you have not watched the movie and don't want to be spoiled, you probably want to stop right here. But then come back right. and listen because it'll be really good. Yeah, that'll be fun. But um, the numbers. So let's go right into the numbers of this movie. First off, uh, this is the end of phase two. We are two phases and 12 movies into the official Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which started in 2008. So this is now seven years. With Iron Man. Now, overall, if you count the 1944 Captain America serialized movie that was put out, this is the 45th. First overall movie based on a Marvel character. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, 40, crazy? 41 movies about all about Marvel characters. In fact, I have a great infographic that I found on robot6.com, comic book resources, robot6. It's a info, it's a graphic of every uh, Marvel movie, 30 years of Marvel's hits and misses, except it starts with Howard the Duck. So that's the only movie before, after, right after Captain America, it is Howard the Duck in the 80s. So that's mm-hmm. a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty neat graphic. There's a little blurb about each one. Now, everyone loves the box office numbers, and uh, I realized we didn't talk about it in the Terminator show because, really, there was <laughs> nothing to talk about, and no. there's still nothing to talk about. Um, but just to update folks on the box office based off of movies we have reviewed so far, number one, of course, still Jurassic, Jurassic World, World, holding strong with, like, 600 million uh Opening and domestically, domestically, yeah, uh, it yeah. There's so there's so many numbers. So then number two in in yeah right in the this summer's movies is Avengers: Age of Ultron with 455 million. Way down uh, the movie we just talked about number ten, Terminator Genesis has only made under 77 million dollars. Yeah, oh, and the oh that that yeah, is you mentioned how much horrible. they spent on it. 155 yeah. million, I believe. And it's been if you out look at for a, a couple of weeks. And also, if you uh, there's a, uh, so if you go to Box Office Mojo, we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah. But if you look at Terminator Salvation up to this point and Terminator Genesis, yeah, Terminator Salvation was at 125 million. Wow. At this point, that's a not a good movie either. Wow. So this movie, this movie, which and Terminator Genesis was in 2009. Yeah. So it didn't have the uh, the advantage or of being Terminator able to Salvation. You mean? Yeah, yeah, Terminator Salvation. I'm sorry. Yeah, they had the didn't have the advantage of being 
3D and raise ticket prices either. So that's really bad for Terminator Genesis. That movie's just tanking. Uh, yeah. Ant-Man, so far, so I guess Ant-Man made, uh, Ant-Man cost $130 million for Marvel to make, which it is its cheapest movie to date, okay? Mm -hmm. It took in $23 million on Friday, and it took the number one spot this weekend with $58 million, which is a, a pretty decent take for a movie that cost $130 million that was risky to begin with. It is, and I will have a link in the show notes. Um, it, I mean, it's a respectable number for sure. It didn't completely tank. It is the eleventh most uh, or eleventh lowest um, opening for a Marvel film. It's yeah, however, but it is Marvel's twelfth consecutive first place opening for their movies. Twelve in a row. Every movie that's open is open first place. That's not a big accomplishment. Yeah. If you look at <laughs> if you look at because here's the thing if you look at every. Movie I mean, it went up release. against Trainwreck, train which yeah, is like it goes a, up a in, comedy. It's a big budget movie should be number one for its its weekend release. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they they never usually compete with one another. That's not a that's not a good statistic. Well, okay, well it did that. So, but it's the eleventh uh, lowest. Yeah, yeah it's being it's only beat out Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Incredible Hulk yeah. also didn't have the advantage of three D prices and IMAX. So far, it's being compared to Incredible Hulk numbers, but. You know, let's. It'll trend better though. Yeah. It's getting it's getting good reviews. So let's go into the movie, and then this yeah. is a lot of the reason why I think the movie will have legs uh, coming. You know, moving forward. Yes. Uh, Anthony, you want to go first? Yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, I overall, I did like the movie. It is very unique. It's different, weirdly paced compared to other Marvel movies. So usually, Marvel movies have a huge action piece in the in the middle. And usually in the beginning and then one at the end. This one, they kind of drew it out so that the only action was really at the end, other than that fight scene between uh, Ant-Man and Falcon. Yeah, I mean, the they second, really drug yeah. everything out. Well, the second half of the movie has all the action. All the action. Yeah. Well, it's not even the second half. It's like the end. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, just one huge battle at the end. Well, the whole third act, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so the tone in the movie overall is just very unique. There's just not a lot of fight scenes going on. Um, for me... And I, I, you might disagree. I did, although I did like the movie. I thought Paul Rudd was actually kind of boring. I disagree. Why is that? I love Paul Rudd. I love what he's, he's doing. Do the Everyman thing. Listen, right? this movie. Well, he's he's listen. This character is not your Everyman character, but it's your. He's super relatable. Who doesn't know a guy that's been down on his luck? He's looking for, for redemption, sure. looking for another shot. He may have made some bad choices, but he's deep down a good guy. Wants to do what's best for his daughter. Paul, I love Paul Rudd. There's so much comedy background in everyone who's written and involved with this movie. Paul Rudd helped write some of the screenplay. Paul Rudd came in and wrote those funny Paul Rudd lines. Now they're all they are Paul Rudd lines, but the addition of that style to this character, I think, it was spot on. I think the casting was really pretty accurate for this movie. I, for me, I think Paul Rudd gets. I think there's more interesting characters in him. I think Michael Pena is a lot funnier. Well, Michael off. Pena stole every fucking scene. Stole he every, was I in. think Michael Douglas is a lot more intriguing. Michael Douglas is like adding Robert Redford in Captain America. The, it, I think Michael Evan, Douglas Evan is, Hank, Lily is a lot better. I think she's a lot more intriguing than yeah. Paul Rudd. I don't. I like. I just you like him. Yeah. No. I, this like is, I think Paul we're, we're going to disagree because I love. Here's the thing too. Just going into. I love that kind of comedy. Whole, I love that yeah, humor. I mean, I'd see. I didn't think his stuff was that funny, though. I thought he had one. He had one scene part where he goes, that, "That's a really good speech," which was funny. Yeah. And then he had another part where he like, their father and daughter are arguing, and he's just kind of standing there. And he's and like, "It's a little awkward." That was awesome. 
Oh, yeah. I just ruined the moment, didn't I? I'll go make yeah. some tea. Like that's fucking great, Paul. Like he could he could throw in uh, just the awkwardest wrong comment at the wrong time, which is like the whole movie of "I Love You, Man." Like when, like I cringed when you seen "I Love You, Man," right? With Jason yeah, Segel. Every time he tried to come up with a a, a nickname, nickname or pretend uh, to play the bass, like he's so likable that you see just, you later, Jobin. Yeah, he's like, why? Well, I, I just I got nothing. Like yeah. I love I love that kind of comedy. I love that style. Uh, and he's just very likable, which I think was more important to the whole thing is you needed is to like, likeable. you needed to like Scott Lang. Yeah, I agree. Um, my point is I think he was, he's funnier in other movies. Yeah. But I don't the, think you know, funny in the, 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 this movie was plagued by a lot of production issues. It was, we can, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And you could see in the beginning, this is a good, that's a good segue. A lot of the scenes, I don't know if you noticed it, but they're edited really strangely and the cut, yeah. they cut unnaturally in the midst of conversation. So in the beginning, when they're talking, you can, they'll cut to the person and she'll, she'll have said something, but her mannerism will be like, she didn't say that. Or, Do you mean just in normal dialogue conversation? Yeah. They, the way they cut it, it's not almost the, like, not the storytelling scenes, No, not the storytelling, but just some of the early scenes. I don't know. I just noticed it where it was cut almost like so fast yeah. that the conversation wasn't natural. It was a little disjointed. A little disjointed. There I'm just being been, nitpicky, that, I mean, but that must have been things they were trying to patch together, you know, things that didn't work. Uh, so should we just get into this now? Basically, this movie is directed by Peyton Reed, obviously, but it was uh, the writing credits belong to Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish initially, and then mm-hmm. Adam McKay, who's known for, you know, your Will Ferrell movies, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, huge comedy writer, and Paul Rudd himself. Uh, helped with the screenplay and went in and, and, and tweaked a few lines, made it Paul Rudd funny, you know. Uh, but the story, yeah. the main story, which I think a lot of it is still there, is Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Now, originally, Edgar Wright was working on this movie. He was a big fan of Ant-Man. He proposed this movie to Stan Lee back in 2003. He wanted to make an action-adventure comedy, a, a cross-genre action and special effects bonanza, as he said. And he had been developing this movie ever since 2003. Yeah. You know, I think you may have seen that test reel back in the day, which yeah, the, yeah. the effects really kind of, those did transfer over. Um, and I think Paul Rudd was cast. Everything was hired. He was close to shooting the movie. Mm-hmm. In, in 2014, he drops out claiming creative differences between him and Disney, which had just bought, you know, Marvel studios, you know, two years before. So now already this thing is like a big mess, right? You know, you have Edgar Wright, who's very distinct visual storyteller, very distinct style, you know, Edgar Wright, if for listeners who don't know, of course it comes from, uh, Shaun of the dead, hot fuzz with Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, he did space the TV show with Simon Pegg. I love Edgar Wright's sensibility and 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 story visual storytelling style. Like it's very energetic, very in your face, very pop culture like. Um, I would have loved to have seen what he his whole movie was. However, I also do think he may not have been. Uh, I think he wanted to make a movie that was about an ant that becomes a man. Like he just wanted to make his own crazy fantasy movie. Well, I think here's the thing. I think you, if you w- watch the movie, obviously you've seen it. You can see a lot of Edgar Wright's influence in the movie. I still see it. Yeah. Some of oh, the yeah. comedy is still there. When the giant uh, Tom Thomas the Tank Engine yeah. blows up. You know the those- that, that, you know that that's definitely Edgar Wright. You can also see though, and I think I read this is that Marvel wanted to make the film more um, tied into the MCU. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so he, he probably you see, didn't. Yeah, you could see some of the scenes, like for instance, the Ant Man Falcon scene. You yeah. can tell that's thrown in. You can see you the shoehorning. You could see yeah. the shoehorning basically. So you can see some of the Edgar Wright influence. For me, at least, I saw the Edgar Wright influence, and then I also saw Peyton Reed. Marvel's overall. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton Reed and Reed Marvel. And, them throwing in other stuff to tie it in. Let's go. Let, you know what's a total signature? Uh, Edgar Wright, the, those stories, where, the way he cuts a guy telling a story with an audio and showing you it in actual time with yes. the guy who's telling the story, Michael Pena, that both times. Cool. That is total. Edgar Wright does that in every movie. And, and I, lo- that, yeah, I love it. You yeah. can definitely see Edgar Wright still in there. I, lo- I and I just I love that. I love the way That's he funny. does that. Let's go back to the movie a little bit because I could go on about Edgar Wright. Fucking uh, gr- lots of great e- Easter eggs. I was smiling a lot through this movie. I was smiling like a little fucking geek fanboy. I was like, because you know what? I This is my kind of superhero movie. I think this was a great palate cleanser in between what we just saw and what's to come. You know, originally right. this, yeah, movie, agree with that. this movie was supposed to be the start of phase three, not the end of phase two. Now... We're coming off of, and like I've said, all these movies, you kind of have to compare them with the last Marvel movie. That's the only way to kind of compare this because this is a great chapter in the Marvel MCU storyline. Like, I thought this was really fresh because instead of a bunch of, like we said in Avengers, you had kind of seen all the Avengers together. And yeah, it was great. It was spectacular. It was this big epic thing. But it was also serving seven other movies. It was trying to set shit up. You know, it wasn't like one single streamlined story. I like that this was a smaller scale, intimate street level event with a really relatable, fun character. But what this added to the MCU is huge. The addition yeah. of Hank Pym, the addition of Wasp, the addition of Janet, the addition of the Pym Particles, the addition of Yellow Jacket costume. These are all huge. And now this is one of the negatives that was caused by Edgar Wright because Edgar Wright had said while working on this, he had gave him instructions, please don't mention Ant-Man or anything until I do my movie. Now, unfortunately, fucking Ant-Man and Wasp are founding members of the Avengers. Hank Pym's legacy is giant in the Marvel Universe. He has affected a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. this caused things to be changed. This causes Hank to not create Ultron like he does in the comic books. This, right. You know, this causes him and Wasp not to, because if Marvel probably wanted their way, they would have had Ant-Man and Wasp right there in Avengers 1, just kicking it off. Because they are fucking, they call him a C-list Marvel property, and for most right. average moviegoers, he is. But, and we'll find out at the end, I'm going to take you through the Ant-Man legacy. He has caused a lot of shit, dude. Like, he is a huge part of the Marvel Universe in the comics. There were rumors that he was, they wanted Ant-Man and Wasp in the original Avengers film. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, you're, he, Ant-Man is a C-list character. And to me, it's over. It's just amazing that Ant-Man, um, Ant-Man movie has been made. Yeah. First off. Yeah. Um, just going back into the film, though, you're right. I, it's like you, you, the Avengers was like a huge steak dinner, and then Ant-Man was a nice dessert. Where this it was just is like an Italian ice gelato before right. the next. It was just different. It was smaller. Yeah. I, I do I agree that. that you know that it's a nice palate cleanser, as you mentioned. Going back into the movie, just yeah. some more of my yes. thoughts. Yes. Um, I thought the fight scenes were really creative. This was some of the most creative fight scenes I'd ever seen. Adding the shrinking and then growing capabilities Dude, the, the into the miniature, a fight scene the miniature macro photography amazing. looks so fucking cool. Who yeah. else stole the show besides Michael Pena? The fucking ants. The ants, which I thought were going to be the most cheesy thing, were the best thing ever. And you know what? First of all, when Anthony got killed, I hope they bring him back. He can fix Anthony. That was really devastating. I was like, 
oh shit, Anthony, no. Like I was sad because the he you know, the little shot where he's feeding him water and like he's treating him like his pets, like the relationship between him and the ants was amazing. Now the, you know, again, silly idea, silly name, Ant-Man. This is actually an amazing power set. This is, yeah. think of all the practical uses. Like, this is an amazing power set to have. You could, the potential for fun and to show things is awesome. And that's another thing I love about this movie. It was just fucking fun. It had a it fun, fun sense of discovery. Like, the first Iron Man, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. a new guy, new characters. You could walk into it. They threw in the Easter eggs for the hardcore MCU nerds. But you didn't even, you didn't have to know that. Right. I think, um... Him, the, I mean, just the fight scenes, the hit, the scene with him fighting Falcon, it kind of, it was almost like a, a test to prove that Ant-Man can hang with Avengers. Hell yeah, dude. That, and that was great. And people were like, oh, it should have been Iron Man. Whatever, dude. It was one of the better, that was like the best fight scene in the movie. One of the best fight scenes. Oh, like yeah, it was great. Because you just, saw. And just, an, it's another added way of displaying action. So like in the Avengers films come, upcoming in Civil War, when Ant-Man is in them, you know, it'll, it'll be another way to to show action yeah ant-man growing and i'm, I'm very curious to see him growing and then well and small so around I, other adventures i like that using his power i set. like that he made things bigger because now we know that he can get big and that is a huge part of the ant-man legacy in the marvel universe as we'll see um in a little bit now i think they the uh, the villain they were plagued by another kind of nondescript villain i thought uh uh what's his name who played darren cross, darren cross. um yeah, I thought he did a good job uh, with what he was given. Like the character, yeah, he did a good job. It's just another underdeveloped just, yeah, Marvel yeah, villain. Yeah. This is one of the one of the weaknesses. And I read why they do this. Do you want to, do you want to know yeah, no. why they do this? They do this because they want you to root. They really want you to root for their heroes. So they underwrite the villains so that the villain doesn't be, become the coolest character in the movie. They always want their hero to be the coolest character in the I, movie. Yeah, I mean, do they? But and, do and then look at look at what they've done. Look at Loki. Yeah. Look how like Loki was yeah. is the most developed Marvel villain. Absolutely. He's also way more popular than Thor, which yeah. is what Marvel doesn't want. They want their heroes <laughs> to be more popular than their. That villains. is funny. Like, what a problem to have. But you, but you gotta at least try. Yeah. And you know no, the. I agree. You no, gotta the the. the the underdeveloped thing, villain, Marvel villain thing, has become like a running theme now, and it's it kind of sucks. Yeah, that's the only thing I would say. It that, plagues that, almost all the movies. Every film, yeah. every film, they write the villain to be just irredeemably bad. Yeah, even though they were trying to go with the failed like Shakespearean father son yeah. thing. Yeah, I they, mean, I I did I liked how. Darren and Hank were kind of similar, both sides of the same coin. They were similar characters, uh, both, you know. The abandoned father. Yeah, sort of thing. abandoned fathers, both very gray, you know, gray ethical decisions on both sides. Um, but, yeah, the, the yellow jacket costume looks Looked fucking great. awesome. Yeah, because and dope. and and this is they're screwing up the whole thing continuity in the comic books, but we'll get to that. But Ooh, whatever, the fucking suit looked amazing. <laughs> and you're right, the the Edgar Wright touches with the the Thomas the Tank Engine crashing over. Like, oh my god, that that when that blows up and comes out of the house, yeah, and it's just and it's blinking, yeah, on the side. I'm so like, oh my god, fucking funny. I love, I loved, yeah. I mean, I love that it was like a, a redemption story. You know, but it was also a like a, bit, yeah. a passing the torch story. I love finding yeah. out that Hank was Ant Man in the '60s during the Cold War. We got to see Wasp for a brief for a second, bit. and uh, uh, you know that. And we can even go into so that Wait, I, we'll go I, before yeah, you go into her so many things, atomic, Yeah, before we go into that, um, you can tell though the Cold War stuff. There was a lot more of that footage in the trailers. They left that in the 
in the yeah. dust. I mean, they, they didn't. They didn't throw that in, and know. I think they did that because they, can use they wanted to save the visual of Ant Man shrinking. Just yeah. that whole uh, his fighting style. They wanted to save it till the end. I, I like, feel like they, if they put that in the beginning, yeah, they it would have cheapened the impact of seeing Ant Man grow and and uh, shrink. I liked how they dealt with that, where it's just still you know like war photos. And you didn't really it was like see old it. surveillance. Yeah, footage. until you yeah. did see it, but that was later. Um, okay, there's, but, a, there's the one thing before we get into the yeah. the pimp, the, um, the the subatomic. Yeah, I got other stuff. things too to mention before we get. Into yeah, it. yeah. I just want to say for me, good, not great film. The only thing that lacked that was kind of lacking for me is I know they were trying to go with the whole father daughter redemption. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, my, you know, Hank Pym trying to redeem himself to uh. Uh, Hope and then also Paul Rudd's character, Scott Lang, trying yeah. to redeem himself to Cassie. Yeah. But I felt like the scenes with the daughter were cute, but they lacked a lot of substance. She was saying a lot of really cute one-liners, and she was actually decent for a kid in the movie. Yeah. But they kind of would allude to it, but they didn't build on the whole his yeah, relationship with his daughter. they didn't really have ta- enough time. On both sides, it was kind of like forced or just kind of it was like half, kind of half-assed half-assed you know what was funny at one point in the movie i swear to god this happened at one point i'm watching the movie and then i'm like at the end of this one scene i'm like huh okay they got to show him with the daughter again so we connect a little more and boom he's standing in front of the bed with the daughter no words and then it cuts back to him planning and i was just like thinking i was like this is, they're probably going to show him and the daughter now and it went to that and then it went to back to them planning the heist i wish there was more scenes with him and the daughter well, or just the, da- the daughter yeah. was cute the daughter was very cute but you know there's going to be sequels they they put in what they could i like how there's more strong uh female characters added to the mcu That's technically true. two hope is good hope and janet uh, two really awesome bad, oh, yeah. and, I, and I also love how they dealt. Did you notice how they dealt with the romance? I love how they deal with their romance. Like it's awkward, and it's just a little bit like Captain America. It was very light. This was even. It was like thirty second, a thirty second thing where Hank opens the door and they're making out. That was it. And they were like, "Uh, you stop kissing me." And Paul Rudd walks away. <laughs> like I love how they do that because you didn't. You saw this little like romance, but you didn't need to make it cheesy and force it. And it was it was perfect. It was just, yeah, it's most, just most films would have a big right? crescendo where the music yeah. comes in and then they kiss and they're, they're like, you're locked in on them kissing. They just where blew this, all just that off. Away. I, love, I love that. So I think a lot you of You open the, the door and there you could tell they were making out, but nothing. You I can't love really it. See. I think Paul Rudd pulled it off. I think he's going to be a huge part of this uh, universe because while Spidey will be the, the everyman teenage character, he is- that reference, by the way? He What's that? Yes. We're, and we're going to talk about that when we get to the Easter eggs. He is the very relatable, real character. And now the fact that we can play with Hank's past. Well, he he will probably awesome. be in, when he's in the Avengers, he'll be, he'll kind of replace Hawkeye as the everyman. Yeah. And the guy that brings in the perspective of a guy that's just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm around a god. I'm around a super soldier. I'm around a billionaire. Well, it, I'm around yeah. all these spies and I'm just some dude that was a criminal yeah but uh what, the fuck, what am i doing here? yeah exactly he's gonna and and that's the best part of of scott lang is that he is you know he's a single dad and he's just kind of like thrown in and and kind of stumbles like, into do you this. like them choosing scott lang over hank pym well when we get to the comic book part of this i you will know why they they started with scott lang and not hank pym hank here's pym, my thought on yeah. it hank pym i think he, I like Hank Pym and I, I like Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym because yes. he brings that gravitas yes. to the role. Yes. But Hank Pym being on the Avengers would have just been another smart guy. They already have Tony Stark. Well, that they but, already but have Bruce Banner. Th- but this is the thing is 
Hank Pym is one of the smartest scientists in the Marvel universe. And yeah, but as a casual fan, you're just going to go, oh, he's another smart guy. There's a third smart guy with Scott Lang. At least he is yeah. the yeah. He's the criminal. He's, and, yeah, he's just the everyman. Yep. And this is why Scott Lang was created to set him apart from Hank and not to be another smarty pants guy. But Hank has a really dark fucking past. Oh yeah, dude. we'll get to that. Oh my god, it's fan fucking test. They kind of alluded to it though. Did you yes. catch some of the allusions to yes. it? Yes. The which, pin particles messing with his mind. Yes. Which yeah. I love this because oh wait till we let me just tell you the legacy Ant Man coming up. It'll blow your fucking mind. Now they managed to keep it fresh. Let's talk about all these awesome cameos. Okay. Uh, first of all, character cameos. Peggy Carter, old Peggy Carter's in there. I love I love Haley Atwell, so that's great. Howard Stark. The movie starts in 1989. You're looking at Howard Stark. The first time we see him, I think, since like uh, Iron Man Two. Yeah, I had a note here that's, somewhere. They, they, they casted the, they got the actor from Iron Man Two to do Hanks. Yeah, Howard so Stark, the same yeah. Howard Stark. Meanwhile, Dominic Cooper has been playing young Howard Stark in the interim, you know, on TV and in some other movies. Uh, did you catch Falcon? I love the Falcon. You know what? This I was happy because this was not spoiled for me. I did not watch the trailers. I did not know which Avenger it was going to be that they were going to show up with. They spoiled it in a TV spot, so good That's, thing you weren't watching. Yeah, I, w- I didn't watch any of the spots, and I was, uh, I was like, oh, shit, it's Sam Wilson. That was fucking awesome. Sam, and I like Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson. Anthony so Mackie's great. Do, do you like his light and He's like, don't tell Steve about this. <laughs> when he gets his ass kicked. He really does. Like, that was a great fight. And, like, way to Scott. Like, it was awesome how you could track him, even in these little. With the goggles. Yeah. With the goggles. But Scott still fucking had him on his back. Like, uh, Scott Lang well, learned Scott that gets shit. into his. I mean, that's the thing about Ant-Man's powers. It is. It's like an amazing. Very devastating. Yes. Devastating. You can't. He gets into stop. his pack and breaks everything. You can't stop a guy like this. Imagine yeah. if you did have an army of these fuckers. You can't stop him. Plus, the fact that he controlled ants, he could be in several places at once doing things, as we saw in the big heist ending, you know? Right. Uh, I love his powers. I love that first scene, too, where... He presses the button in the bathtub. The fucking oh, yeah. that was great. The the they the macro photography, the effects were so good. Like they actually they sh- they shot things miniature and yeah, put yeah, them in. I read, I read that too. You yeah. know, so it was very tactile. It looked. Did you did you get a uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Well, that's the thing. All? Is like you know how Kevin Feige said we haven't seen a shrinking movie, we haven't seen a heist movie in a while. The last you know heist movie was like your oceans of laughing the last shrinking movie was honey i shrunk your kids and you know what i fucking loved honey i shrunk your kids i I thought the practical special effects they did in that movie with the giant like it looked really at the time you were you believed it it looked good like i love that when i went to uh disney world they had a ride or basically like a a show where you it was honey i shrunk the kids yeah do you have you ever i think i did that once it was really cool yes yes. they they shrink you sit in the in a theater and they like it pretends like they shrink you so they'll blow up a cat and you'll feel like they have like practical effects around you so you'll feel like you're small and like things will be coming at you and stuff it's actually pretty cool shrinking movies are great and we haven't seen a good one in a long time we haven't seen a good one yeah Yeah, uh, funny easter egg stan lee actually proposed an ant-man movie that same year honey i shrunk the kids came out the studio was like "Eh, we already got this fucking shrinking movie coming out with sorry and they shelved the idea for like a decade Mm -hmm. so yeah Go ahead. I was going to say before uh, we go into more cameos and, you know, spoiler or not spoilers, but uh, Easter eggs. What did you think of the ending fight scene between uh, 
Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket. I, you know, I love the intimacy of it. Like the whole thing yeah. happened in her his daughter's bedroom. It was in a, what was in a briefcase, a helicopter, the, and then a bedroom. The brief. Oh, that's right. The they fell remember? through the briefcase. That was so cool. Like these They're guys fighting in a briefcase. And it's, it's so unbelievably and awesome. And it falls into the pool, and the family is like, "What?" They look up and like just the fight, and then the thing comes out of the pool, the yellow jacket. Yeah, uh, just the, I mean, just the, them fighting. So think about the dichotomy between this film and Avengers. Yeah. Avengers, a city is yeah. floating over a country, yeah, and it's about to be dropped. In Ant Man, they're fighting inside of a fucking briefcase. Yeah, that's so great. Like <laughs> just the potential of fun fucking sets you could have with this power, and I can't wait till we see him giant. I cannot wait. They're gonna oh, do they that. Will, yeah, I will do that. So actually. back to cameo, Stanley cameo at the end, kind of funny. Uh, during, was that one again? Where he, he's it was during that last real? story. He's the bar. Instead of being, oh, you know yeah, how he yeah. was drunk in Avengers? He was yeah. the bartender in the story. Uh, gotcha. I, lo- I love the Garrett Morris uh, cameo because he's an old, original Saturday Night Live member. He was the, okay. uh, the old black cab driver. But I was like, Garrett okay. Morris. I love Garrett Morris. Where, uh, you know, he landed on. I love the effects. Oh, he landed on the thing. He landed yeah, on, on the, the cab the, and then he got big. Yeah. Um, but I loved, I love the effects. I love the, that now. I love can, when he's small that he is a bullet. So he lands on the cab and it makes a little dent. Yeah. It's like, poof, you know, like the, the physics of it was very cool. Or like when he jumps through the, the bag of the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Like, and she's like, the lady's like, Wah! so before we get to the end credit scene here, and then we'll get into a little bit of the Easter eggs, mm-hmm. the microverse. What did you think of the whole microverse sequence? Well, they kept it's called well, it was subatomic. It was the qu- remember, kept, it was quantum, quantum realm. realm. It was sub and he kept shrinking. He kept going, you know, into subatomic. Smaller, u- it's the microverse smaller. from the, the comic books. It's this in a very tiny, it's its own universe. Well, they also said that you have you'll have you'll lose um perception of space and time. Yeah, yeah you won't be able to which is very yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah. So I'm thinking that you can travel subatomically. Or you can travel through this microverse, the quantum realm, and that's how they're going to explain the, the mystic side of the Marvel Universe. Oh, there's also, in the in the comic books, the Micronauts live in the microverse, and they are Marvel property. Um, also, also you, oh, you can say that Wasp is probably still Janet alive. Van Dyne Janet is Van still Van in the microverse. Now, during that scene, I was literally, I should I didn't see the movie twice, I was going to, but I was like, yeah, I saw it, it's good. But I was trying to look in the microverse scenes to see if I saw a hint of a person of a lady's body. Apparently Kevin Fage said to watch that part specifically. You, there might be some Easter eggs. I feel like somewhere mm. in there is an outline of a woman's body with wings. It became very trippy. Dude, it was what awesome. Reminded me of Dr. Yeah. I love the, tri- it was the kaleidoscope cause it's hip kaleidoscoping on itself. And like Scott couldn't figure out how to get out. And then he had those little discs and then boom. And like Hank was just startled. He's like, you came back. I didn't think that was possible. And like yeah. thinking Janet can come back. He's got to get back in there and grab her and pull her out. So that's very exciting. Just the introduction of the microverse is very exciting. It was, it was, uh, it's very cool. And, it, and I, there's, it's bigger ramifications than just this film. Yeah. So overall I thought like, I think Marvel is okay. You know, and I'm a fucking, you know how I'm an apologist and it's not <laughs> apologizing. I think it's okay for Marvel to just make an uh, kind of a decent, okay, solid origin, small level street level movie. They can't yeah. all be fucking giant aliens, world planets blowing up fucking movies. I think if they just would have given more attention to the father daughter thing, I think they could have actually hit a home run on this movie. I'm surprised. I think they, they hit a solid double. I am surprised they didn't do it two hours. They could have added half an hour 
It was like one fifty-seven, but you're oh, right. Was they could it? have added. Yeah, they could oh. have. It was like it was almost two hours actually. The beginning. But they could have added, but there's still you could see that they cut out some stuff. The beginning had a lot of exposition, but once you got right. past the first maybe 20, 30 minutes, like then it was like from the minute he breaks in to get the suit, the fucking movies. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's a really great origin to introduce these people into this crazy, silly world that that's going to be awesome moving forward. You know, we already know how, how integral Ant Man is going to be. Um, I hope it makes. I mean, it made fifty eight million. I hope it makes enough money that they can okay a sequel. Yeah, I'd they like really. I mean, I think a movie at this level, you really just need to make, like you said, at least the, your money back a little bit more. And I think. Well, Fahey says if the fans vote with their money, then they will find a way to get an Ant Man two out there. I mean, so at this, at buy, this, go watch the movie, kids. Yeah, I mean, but even then, at this point, I don't even think you force it. I think you can have Ant Man be a huge part of what's coming up in all the different movies and properties. True, you could just have him hang out, kind of like a Black Widow. Look at how integral Black Widow is. She's never had her movie, but That's she true. didn't really need an origin. But you know who she is, anyways. Uh, as always, Marvel is back to the double awesome uh, credit scenes, which fans love and wait for. And we were kind of. Uh, the last movie did only had one, right, Ultron? The last movie had one, and I feel kind like the last few have been kind of disappointing. This one had two this, these huge three. ones. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony, why don't you tell us about the first? Let's talk about the first one. So the mid credit scene mid-credits is scene. basically Hank Pym revealing to his daughter, Hope, the Wasp costume. I actually, although I like this one a lot, they're teasing Wasp for the future films. Yeah. She will be in future phase three films. Yeah. I wish this one would have been in the movie proper yeah. because this would have been a good um, full circle coming, coming I, full circle for her character in the movie. I think it would have been too much. Like you got it. So? Yeah. You already have. But I, I feel like Hope's character, she's trying to be Wasp and she's trying to prove herself to her dad the whole time. And that for this to be in the movie proper, that would have been the end of that circle. What's funny Instead, is that it leaves it open. The line, I felt like around. the line that she says is really what the audience was thinking. And I think that's how they were fucking with it? us. Like at the end, when he reveals the costume and he shows it to her, she goes, it's about goddamn time. Right. And that's what you're thinking as a, as a viewer. You're like, put her in the costume. So, you yeah. know what? It's a little bit of that leave him wanting more. Yeah. I mean, it. At this point, Marvel, I guess you could, it's not a big complaint because at this point, Marvel's trained the audience to stay. And my whole theater stayed for yeah. that. For the oh, yeah. No, scene. they're going to stay. And then at the end, people, uh, oh, shit. that was uh, really interesting because. So what, that one yeah. almost seemed like, and it was, it was because. Apparently it was a scene they, shot for Civil War. Scene shot for Civil War. It's one from one of the dailies from Civil War. And just right away when that scene comes on, it seems like a totally different movie. Yeah, man. Yeah, the way it's shot. This is the color scheme. Yeah. and the seriousness of it's it. It's not from it's that totally movie. different. Yeah, you want to explain to everyone what it was? Well, what do we see? We see Anthony Mackie Falcon going back to in a warehouse where Steve Rogers is. Steve's doesn't have a suit on. He's wearing a tank top. He's all dirty. And who is there but one Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier with his metal arm pinned in a fucking machine so he can't leave. Apparently, they're either trying to reprogram him or interrogate him. There's some talk of accords. Steve Rogers mentions, we can't, we can't tell Tony about this. We're on our own. These accords mm-hmm. aren't going to happen. At which point, Sam, the Falcon goes, uh, I might know a guy. And it cuts right there. So the way I interpreted that scene. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Was, Geek moment. But remember the end of Captain America of, uh, what was it called? The second one? Missing was Persons. Was he was the Winter Soldier? Yeah. 
he kind of sent Anthony Mackie on a mission to find. Yeah, and they Bucky. talk about an Avengers. He's like, how's the missing persons uh, right. investigation going? So I think he finds Bucky trying to remove his own arm. Oh. I think that, that's the way I interpret it is Bucky's trying to get his arm off. I thought they had him in that because that's really the only way you're going to fucking hold that guy down. You need to uh, immobilize that arm. Oh. Otherwise, See, I, I had it as him trying to get his, get out, get his arm off him as if it was kind of controlling him. And then they were like, what should we do? Should we call Tony? Tony's a tech guy. And they're like, and they're to like, Tony's, they basically say he's, the accords won't allow him. So my, here's my question. Now, listener, you may or may not know the next big thing happening in this is something called civil war where sides right. are chosen. It's, uh, there's something called the superhero registration act. It's basically about masks. Uh, the government deciding who should wear masks, who shouldn't wear masks, what side these heroes are on. Tony Stark in the books has championed this registration act saying that you all superheroes need to register. We need to know who's out and about. And on the other side, as we can see in this movie, we had Steve Rogers saying, no, we need to protect the people and protect ourselves. Uh, do you think civil war has happened at this point in the mo- in that in that clip? Have these accords? Has the registration act been enacted? Like it, it came off to me like they were already in the midst of right. At least building towards civil war because the accords and Tony. It was alluded to that. Tony might be affiliated with government or the Accords or something. And I love how Hank Pym, Hank hates Tony Stark and refuses to give him the formula. So clearly the Ant-Man, Team Ant-Man is going to be on Captain America's side along with Falcon. Scott Lang being a criminal. He's not. He's not going to want to register with no, the government. He's yeah. not going to want to endanger his kid. No, yeah, exactly. And have his identity out Just there. like so Peter it would Parker. Make, it would make yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, it totally Scott makes Lang sense. Scott Lang could almost fill the Parker role. Yeah, because he can. This is a motherfucker that can get in and out and do anything, and no one would even know unless you have. And he doesn't want to endanger his family. No. This whole movie was about family. Yeah. So why would you? Why would you why register? Why would you want to register? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it makes a lot of sense. I can't wait till. Cause and he can go subatomically and probably get in that machine and get uh, Winter Soldier out of that machine. Oh uh, yeah. That's how he can well, help. Uh, hmm. Yeah. If that's what they're doing. Or maybe he can go subatomically into his brain and get the programming out. Yeah, so you bring up a good point. What actually Bucky was doing in the machine is questionable because we both saw two different things. Right. right. That's it very was, in- well, it's very ambiguous. That's very interesting, yeah. though. Uh, so that was the end credit scene setting that up fucking awesome. Captain America's Civil War. I cannot wait because Civil War is going to be like your next Avengers movie. There's going to be fucking Basically. 12 million Avengers in that movie. So There's we're so you know we're going to go from a huge Avengers Ultron to this nice small movie. Back up That's to another big, big one. Movie. So uh, before we move on to Easter eggs, let's. I had this little bit about Edgar Wright benefits and negatives, and we already talked about. Okay. His visual style was a plus. His creative storytelling uh, definitely added. His sense of humor, the fun, I think, was a lot of Edgar Wright's writing and and influence, and that was great. The negatives now is that Ant and Ant-Man and Wasp are not founding members of the Avengers. We had to mm-hmm. wait for Ant-Man. We couldn't even have hints of Pym or the word Hank Pym or Pym Particles because Ant-Man predates all these fuckers. He has a huge impact on the Marvel Universe, starting from the beginning for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, Hank is not responsible for creating Ultron, which is a major, major difference from the movies, from the comic books universe. So moving forward, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because, and I'll, I'll tell you why that's huge. And, uh, you know, so that was a couple of things that I think this may have hurt this movie, but I think the movie came out great. Could it have been Moved better without these production issues? Maybe. Uh, maybe, but the thing is at this point, Marvel, you know what you're working with with Marvel. I've and I've read this online. Directors have to be willing to Marvel the way Marvel production works is they're 
They're constantly overseeing everything. Yeah. You have to allow for script rewrites. You have to allow for scenes to be filmed after the movies, additional scenes to be shot. And if your director is not willing to do this, if he's very rigid, then it's not going to work. Edgar Wright is the very, movie's not yeah. so. Even if yeah. Edgar Wright might have, if he directed this movie, yeah. Who knows? Maybe this movie wouldn't be that good because Marvel's going to do this stuff anyways. That's to interesting. Direct. Yeah, and you if know? you don't, if you don't have passion for the project, I think it was the smartest thing you do is step out. And Edgar Wright step is out. one of those guys that has a very strong, uh, you know, a very strong opinion of what his product, what his art should be, and he's not going to have people walk all over it. Now, Alan Taylor comes from HBO. HBO is pretty much hands off, but I feel it's probably a lot like working with Marvel. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I agree, and I think. Edgar Wright stepping away. I think they took the best elements of what Edgar Wright's script was. Yeah. And then made a maybe maybe this film is better than what Edgar Wright would have came out with. All right. Let's do the Easter eggs. Oh my god, this is my favorite part of this shit, and I got a shitload of them. You want to go back and forth? Should we start? You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Well, right in the beginning, Darren Cross is talking about he kind of outs Hank Pym. You know, when he gets there and uh, mm-hmm. blows his blows up his spot about being Ant-Man in the 60s. And he goes, oh, it's all propaganda. Tales to astonish. And I was like, Geek oh, there's the first one. Ant-Man's first appearance was in Tales to Astonish number 27 in 1962. Yeah, it's a great. I noticed that Easter egg right away. Uh, in San Francisco, you see the Milgram Hotel. Uh, that's where Scott is crashing after he gets out of San Quentin prison, you know, with Michael Pena and, and mm-hmm. the gang. And like, they were all great. Like we said, great comedic, uh, influence. Al Mil, it's named after Marvel artist, writer, Al Milgram. Uh, he inked and drew and penciled a lot of stuff. Fun fact, Al Milgram was fired from Marvel after inking good riddance to bad rubbish. He was a nasty SOB. In a uh, Universe X Spidey comic after former editor-in-chief Bob Harris left the company. But Al Milgram has been all over the place, dude. He's a great, uh, great artist. So that was a nice little nod. Okay. Uh, uh, Martin Donovan's character, Agent Mitch Carson, he's also from the comics. I, who the fuck is Mitch Carson? Uh, he was uh, he was one of the guys. He was the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the beginning who comes back later. Oh, that, that wasn't that, how, that evil kind of shield. Yeah, agent? the guy who was uh. X shield and then ended up with Hydra. Also in that scene, did you notice the buyers for the tech? One of the guys had a ten rings tattoo on his neck. Apparently, no, I didn't notice yeah. that. I was I was really looking for an Oscorp reference, and I I must have missed yeah. this one. No, there was no Oscorp, but there was ten rings, meaning that Mandarin is still out there, possibly. And we talked about that in one of our last uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the microverse. Is totally. We talked a lot about this from the comics, and you know they had talked about it as the quantum realm, you know, going subatomic. But that whole scene, I guess, like the way it was done, is an homage to a Disneyland attraction called Adventures Through Inner Space. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of Disney Easter eggs in this movie, kind of clever ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So, and I said before, the quantum realm exists in Marvel comics, uh, and it's uh, home to a group of superheroes called Micronauts. So in the, in the Marvel universe, they explain it as a dimension that can be reached from the Earth dimension by compressing one's own mass to a certain point, thereby forcing it through an artificially created nexus into the other universe. <laughs> oh, trippy as fuck. Yeah, it sure is. So uh, Hope Van Dyne, Evangeline Lilly, she, that name doesn't exactly exist in that form. There's a Hope Pym and there's a Janet mm-hmm. Van Dyne. Now, Hope Pym, in an alternate future, it's the same future where... Uh, Mayday Parker exists, Spider uh, Peter's daughter. She's still the daughter of Hank and Janet, but ha- they have a twin brother named Henry Pym Jr. And she becomes a red villain called the uh, a, a villain called the Red Queen. Hope Hope Pym. 
Well, did you notice too? I don't know if this is in your uh, your spoil or not spoilers, your Easter eggs, but yeah. Hope's haircut is very yes. Janet I, I love that they they style helmet kind yeah. of haircut. Yeah, that with the pointy like sixties fucking mm -hmm. uh, uh, retro haircut. That was Janet's haircut as the Wasp. So right. great little nod to the Wasp there. Uh, Darren Cross is also in the comic books. He's also a douchebag. He's also a self made millionaire. Except in the comic books. He invents a pacemaker and it gives him like superhuman abilities and he gets all big and hulks out and shit. Um, Yellow Jacket is actually one of Hank Pym's alternate personalities. And we'll, we'll, get, get we'll get into that. Apparently they had to modify the costume because Paul Rudd had bulked up too much. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I mean, the shirt with him and with his shirt off, shit, I was dude, like, that's was, kind of. He was Jack, dude. That's kind of unnecessary. Well, <laughs> him just standing there with his Marvel abs. Uh, the thing he got is, the Marvel abs. He, I see. I think he could be like a sex symbol as well because, like, being funny and he was in shape. And he, they're trying to make him like a leading man. You know how he's like forty-four years old. You know. <laughs> uh, you know what? Everyone who plays these heroes, they're all in their forties. Think about it. Everyone's in their forties. Eh, I saw. I saw somebody posted a graphic, and it was like twelve of them with their ages. They're all in their forties or fifties. Me being me being just uh, concerned for no reason. I looked at his age. I'm like, how long can he stay in shape? <laughs> he looked, uh, yeah, he looked good. Again, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is like in his 50s. Yeah. He's playing Iron Man. Yeah, you know what? He's like, no, he's like 49. He's you know, 49. And right we've now. talked about like, what are they gonna do? These people get older. Now we've kind of seen examples of what you could do with fucking Terminator Kids. Genesis. Oh, Terminator. <laughs> No, don't X Men. X Men, but X Men has recast and moved forward. It would happen like that. They'd have to do something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, uh, more Easter Moving eggs. On. John, we said John Slattery played Howard Stark again, first time since Iron Man Two. Um, this one was great. If you looked real quick uh, in the San Francisco scenes, there was a poster in the background for Pingo Doce, which was the Brazilian soda company Bruce Banner worked for in the 2008 wow, wow. Incredible Hulk movie. Ant-Man's helmet was influenced by the helmets of Iron Man and Autobot Transformer Bumblebee. I can kind of see that. It was head of yeah, it. It looked like a Bumblebee. This was a, this design. is a really geeky movie uh, Easter egg. This movie was filmed in a 1.885 to 1 aspect ratio rather than the usual 2.35 to 1 for most Marvel films to resemble the short stature of the title character. You know where I think I noticed this? Yeah. This Oh, you was did notice in this? I, well, I noticed it when the end credit scene when they have when it's from Civil War. Oh, it's and I was wider. Like, wow, this movie looks totally different. That's probably why. That's and like I was like, I literally, I was like, right when it came up, I was like, this movie looks totally different. This is not shot when Ant Man was no, shot. No, it wasn't. Oh, that's interesting. That's like so it's, maybe that's where that's I, just you like our it. cheesy opening for this show. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> um, so Peyton Reed was also considered to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he was also attached to Fantastic Four at one point. He did a good job. You know, the thing about job. the thing about this movie is Peyton Reed's not going to get any credit. It's either going to be Edgar Wright, yeah, or you know, Edgar Wright's going to get most of the credit. When I think Peyton Reed's done a really but good they job. All, and Peyton Reed comes from a comedy movie background, also. That all right. the writing has has solid comedy background. So it's a great, like, it's a comedy heist movie with a little superhero twist. Really, that's what it is. Right. It, it, it was definitely like, it felt more like a comedy heist yeah. movie than a superhero and movie. It, it just, it played like that. It was a lot of fun. That's why I think we walked away going, wow, that was really different. That was really different, but what what another great genre for Marvel to get under their belt, you know? Oh, another Disney Easter egg. You notice Lewis was uh, 
whistling It's a Small World in the heist scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's two. That's a double hit. That's a Disney song. And then It's a Small World, you know, Ant-Man. Small nice. World. Uh, so a lot of clever stuff there. Um, so then in an interview I read here, Peyton Reed admitted that the reason Edgar Wright left was, and I said this before, because he wanted to make the film story to be about an ant who was given the power to become a man instead of a man becoming the size of an ant. Like, you know, and we'll get into it. Tales to Astonish when it started. I feel like he just wanted to make a crazy fantasy pulpy movie that had nothing to do and, and fuck the Marvel universe. I'm just going to make a movie about a, 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 a man ant called Ant-Man. That one, I, I, I don't know why, but I'm skeptical about that one. Okay, maybe it's fucking because bullshit. if you saw, if you look at the the footage that was released when it was in production before, remember that test footage yeah. that he shot with yeah. Ant Man? Yeah, it was total totally in line with what we saw. It was. It looked. It, it was, wasn't. It wasn't a dude. No, trying an ant yeah. trying to become a dude. Maybe it's Peyton Reed just fucking starting shit. So uh, people know. talk about yeah, it. that one. I'm a little. I'm a little skeptical on that one. Finally, this one has nothing to do by anything. But did you know that Michael Keaton, Batman, Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice, originally. His real name is Michael Douglas. <laughs> really? Oh shit! He had to change his name because of Michael Douglas. He's like, I can't, oh, no I can't be fucking Michael Douglas, so he changes it to Michael Keaton. Oh no, kidding! I didn't know that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. That sucks for him. I think he did pretty well as Michael Keaton. I mean, he's made an okay career for himself. That one dude uh, said, referenced the Avengers are too busy dropping cities on people, which was an awesome nod to uh, Avengers Asia Ultron. And finally, I, my favorite Easter egg out of all of them, Anthony, the fucking Spider-Man reference. Geek boner. I audibly gasped in the theater. I was like, oh, no. When um, did you caught it then? So, Of course. I was waiting for it. I didn't know where. It was getting towards the end of the movie. So I think if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Towards well, we can spoil it. This is a full spoiler podcast. Goddamn full spoiler. So oh, shit. towards the end of the movie, when the, uh, Michael Pena's character is telling him the last story, which actually kind of leads into like the post credit scene and him hooking up with the Avengers, he's basically right. telling him Anthony Falcon, uh, Anthony Falcon, Falcon, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, is looking for him. But so he's telling the story, and Sam's there talking to the girl, and he's like, "I need a guy that can shrink." She's like, "We got a guy that jumps, we got a guy that climbs walls, we got a guy that swings." And I was like, "Oh shit!" Like at first, I thought she was talking about three different people, but then I was like, "Oh, she just means one urban legend that maybe people think are three different people." Like, right? I love how he's just kind of an urban legend. I, he said, "Oh, she said he swings." She goes. She goes, we got a guy that jumps, we got a guy that swings, we got a guy that crawls walls, crawls up walls, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I heard that when I heard that crawls up walls or climbs walls, I thought, oh, there's Spider-Man. Right, that one. But uh, the other two could also be applied to Spider-Man. Because at That's first, true. I was like, who is she talking about jumps and swings and crawls walls? I was like, that could all be Spidey. That's true. I have to make a, a retraction here because I remember, I think, either the last podcast or the one before, I said that the... Spider-Man drop would be that Oscorp would be buying right? the Yellow yeah. Jacket tech. So yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, I, that was not the Spider-Man reference. How do you think? Uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was thrown in well. Like just... I thought it was thrown in well. It is. A, it's the way because sometimes Marvel screws up and they they throw in too much stuff yeah. that connects to other movies. This one was just a throwaway line, which was good. It wasn't heavy-handed, and I think partly because it was so last minute. And and then I also read somewhere that that line was always in the movie. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's an easy line to just take out. Yeah, yeah, you could film that. And even if you don't take it out, it could mean somebody else. So, yeah, exactly. Let's also not forget that there is a giant 
ant running around the neighborhood now, or didn't there they? Is. They can't, no, it's it's Cassie's kept, pet. It's his pet. I was like, what? Wait, Cassie's her pet. What about the giant ant? Who's gonna feed? How do you? Where? What pet store do you go to get food to feed a fucking giant ant? The one thing I have to comment on the ants in general is: Did you notice they were making noises? Yeah, they. Do you think ants little, are capable of making noises? Well, they had to throw in a little audio something to. I mean, uh, they were so cute, but it was like, I don't know if ants have the like vocal capabilities to make noise. Yeah, I gotta tell you though, the little sketchy noise kind of fucking disturbed me. It was kind of a Which, little bit like their noise. Like it's oh, kind of yeah. like it's it's like fingernails across a scratchboard. Like it's like just the noise of bugs. Like remember in yeah. Temple of Doom that scene, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, where the whole inside tunnel is covered with bugs and they gotta yeah. walk like that always fucking bothered me. Oh I hate bugs. Oh my god that bugs scene bothered the worst. Me. Yes. If I see, I mean, ants are okay, but if it's like a big ant or if there's a spider crawling around in my room, I'll I jump up on the bed. Isn't that funny? They're just tiny little ants. These ants yeah. were awesome, though. These ants were cool. That's all I got for Easter eggs, Anthony. Uh, Anthony, you got any any other observations? Anything else you want to talk about before we get into the crazy the history of Ant Man legacy in the comic books? Again, just want to reiterate, I thought it was a, a very entertaining film. It didn't achieve greatness on the level of. Winter Soldier or Guardians or the first Avengers or maybe the first Iron Man, but it's a, it's just a tier below in terms of. Uh, I mean, I think it, it it achieved what it needed to achieve in, in the time and place in the in where these movies are in the slot that it had. Uh, you know, here's a, here's how you think when you look back at it is are you going to remember Ant Man as one of the great Marvel films? I don't think so. No, you'll remember it as one of like the fun ones that you you'll can remember have it as on, one of the fun solid that you can ones, have yeah. on in the background. Now, you know, I think they were. You know, a lot of these movies are scheduled to to like rescue the box office when they come out. Uh, there was another tiny size movie out this weekend that it also had to battle, which was Minions. I'd have never heard of that fucking movie from uh, the Despicable Me franchise. Oh, that was out this weekend. Yeah, I think so. No, or it was no. still out. But basically, there was there was a lot of stuff out for people to watch, and I think the, oh no, the box the office. Apologists. No, I'm saying. <laughs> The box office is going to suffer. Uh, you know, I don't think they expected this movie to be have the impact in the time of the summer it is because of what has been going on in the movies this summer. You know, like if the box office didn't need rescuing, there's tons of family friendly shit to go watch every weekend, and and uh, and your you know people's dollars are being pulled either well, way. Well, if you look at the numbers in terms of uh, movie distribution, this one wasn't distributed to as many movies as right? Marvel it was usually like, gets. Right, Ma- movie used, theaters as Marvel usually. This have. was like three thousand something as opposed to four thousand something. Right, it was like three seven hundred when it's usually over four thousand. Yeah, I, it, I think it'll do fine. It, it's it's did okay at the box office this weekend. It didn't tank, so it should be fine. And the movie reviews are good, so it should have good word of mouth and good likes. Should right. we go on to the comics? Yes. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Jock and Nerd. First of all, listener, if we have forgot anything in Easter eggs or if you spotted something that we did not, definitely send us a note at show at jockandnerd.com. Um, we'll throw it in and uh, update the show notes and uh, print a retraction. And also, Anthony, I forgot to ask you, what do you think about the cover art for this episode? I love it. It's so good. Listener, you're probably, you could see the cover art. Hopefully it's nice and big if I did it right and it, it pulled in the right field. Your yellow jacket. I like you being the uh, Rocket Raccoon yellow jacket. I'm, <laughs> if you don't see it, just go to jockandreer.com slash 26. 
basically, I love to doodle on our heads, and but I always go old school. So Anthony is old school Ant Man, and I am old school Yellow Jacket. The which is his design was you know was kind of bland. The new Yellow Jacket design is awesome. But uh, if I if actually I, both designs are actually they not are bad at all. The yeah. problem with drawing that for us is it covers up our entire face, and so like and you, just, we want to be able to see our faces. Yeah, it takes the fun out of the whole thing. You want I could draw the fucking head over anybody, but I want it to be us. So Ye- Yellow Jacket's design is actually cooler in my opinion than Ant Man's. I think so too. I you know, and Paul Rudd makes that joke. He's like, it's just an old bike suit. It looks yeah, like Ant Man's like an old biker suit. You know what? Also, shout outs got to go to one Mr. Andy Park, uh, senior concept character designer at Marvel. I'm pretty sure he worked on these and designed these suits, and they're fucking dope, dude. Andy Park's work is amazing. The suit, I mean, Ant-Man's suit is dead on. Like, I love how it looks. No, yeah, it great. looks and practical. It, it, it looks like and it, it's it, the way it's uh, covers his body fully and his head. They, the way they explain it for the particles have to saturate his body. Yeah, is is a good explanation for why he's wearing a full body suit. Yeah, so it protects him. But these pin particles fuck with your heads a little bit. Anyway, listener, get ready for the bizarre. History of Ant-Man. Uh, I did the same thing in the last episode, but nobody uh, listened to the last one because it was about Terminator Genesis. But this one is going <laughs> to be a lot better. We're going to go over. I found a couple articles. They'll be posted in the show notes, jockandnerd.com slash 26 or jockandnerd.com slash Ant-Man. Uh, Geek has a great article that I'm going to reference, uh, and it's called Bizarre a History. A lot. Mostly that. Bizarre History of Ant-Man. Uh, so Ant-Man is one of Marvel's oldest characters. Several people... In fact, have been Ant-Man. Ant-Man was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and the great Jack Kirby. And, of course, as I mentioned before, first appeared in costume, Tales to Astonish, number 35, 1962. But that wasn't Hank Pym's first appearance. That's his first costume appearance. So Hank, uh, Ant-Man has been Hank Pym. It's been Scott Lang. It's been Eric O'Grady. It's been Chris McCarthy. Because uh, you're, you're confusing me because you have written here his first appearance in, in 1961. Co- in costume. And I'll get to that. Okay. His first appearance as Henry Pym, and this is why it's kind of separate, is Tales to Astonish number 27 in 1961. Now, Tales to Astonish was just like an anthology series uh, at the time from uh, Timely or Marvel. And it was just like one, one issue would be about like a gorilla, a talking gorilla. One would be about like a crazy space alien. And one would be about this. So in issue 27, there's a story called The Man in the Ant Hill. And there's no superhero stuff. This is just a scientist who makes a serum and accidentally shrinks down and gets stuck in, in an anthill and tries <laughs> to get out. And actually, at the end of the story, he's like, this is, I have to destroy this serum. No one can ever use this. He dumps it down into the sink and done. The story, Stanley had intended the story to be a one and done. You know, it was the, the, the time, this kind of book is there where they would try, like Amazing Fantasy, they would just try crazy things. And if they stuck, you get a Spider-Man or you get an Ant-Man or you get a Submariner. But you get to try it out in these crazy tales to astonish uh, books. Right. Uh, so then... The response to that was so great, they had to bring him back, which is why his first appearance in costume is in Tales to Astonish number 35 in 1962. Mm-hmm. And, and it, as just as they do in comics, he had some in storage that he was like, oh, I better, I, luckily, it's a good thing I kept this in storage when I dumped all the other shit out. Uh, you know, at the time, Thor had just come out. He was new. The Fantastic Four was a year old. And now this crazy astonishing, fantastical Ant-Man hits the scene, but something was missing. Ant-Man needed a really strong supporting cast. Enter the Wasp. She's introduced in Tales to Astonish number 44, 1963. 
she goes on to be one of the most important supporting characters in Ant-Man's, uh, in Ant-Man comics. Both of them go on to become founding members of the Avengers. They are like Marvel's premier superhero crime fighting couple for a long time. Yep. I know. And it's kind of funny that Hank kind of created Wasp. Like he gave her the shrinking abilities and then he made these wings and grafted it on her. You know, it's kind of like a freaky fr- a Frankenstein experiment with him. She's always been too kind of like a fashion-y kind of character. Yeah. Very hip. She's always been a hip. Yeah. Go-go, he's been kind 60s of go-go boots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hank is all over the place. So yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So basically, listener, I'm going to give you all the identities that either Hank has been or other people that have taken up his former identities. It's a little crazy. Just follow me. Here comes the first identity. In Tales to Astonish number 49, 1963, uh, Hank takes on his first alternate identity. He gets big and he calls himself Giant Man. Of course. <laughs> why wouldn't you? But why he does this? Is it very telling, and it, and it, it uh, leads to a lot of things. He felt inferior next to uh, Iron Man, next to Thor, next to Hulk. He's always been very, has had low self-confidence, low self-esteem, never been sure. Always had these right. feelings of inferiority, so he's like, I'm going to be Giant Man. I'm going to be Hulk. Um, then in Avengers number 28, 1966, Hank takes his third identity in six years. He gets really bigger, and he calls himself Goliath. So what's Goliath's power set? The same thing. He's just giant. He's just giant? Yeah, he's well, even, that, Isn't that giant man? He's even bigger than giant man, I believe. I mean, it's the he just keeps changing names. It's really to show Hank's instability. Instability. Instability, yeah. He's, so for a time, he's stuck as Goliath, and that really messes with his heads. Now he's like, I'm too big. I can't do things. You know, he's just, he's all over the place. Um, during the time as Goliath, when he's shrinking and, and growing, in Avengers number 54 and 55 in 1968, Hank does one of the worst things he could do, which sets a chain of events. Hank Pym creates Ultron. Oh, yeah. And we know Ultron leads to Vision. Ultron leads to Jocasta. But for the rest of Hank's life, he is consumed by this guilt of every time Ultron comes and hits, even even the recent Age of Ultron, Hank's like, uh, yeah, that was my bad. Sorry, guys. I feel well, you really know why, bad. You know why Ultron's so fucked up, too? Is his brain pa- his uh, his brain patterns are modeled off of Hank off Pym. Off of Hank Pym's. And like, that's something and Hank that- Pym is a, is a really fucked up guy. His brain is fucked up, and he's got like weird personality disorder and shit. He and has a low lot, sense of self worth. He has a lot of issues. Let's just yeah. say that some self induced, some not. But, right. and I don't think you know in the comic books it was great because they didn't really reveal that for a while, and it and readers freaked out. Okay, so that's Goliath. Uh, there's also a Goliath too. What's interesting about Hank Pym is that not only did Pym's identities go on to have legacies of their own, but other people have taken on the characters that he's been. It's fucking nuts. Because why? Comics. Check this shit out. The second hero to take the name Goliath was actually one Clint Barton. (laughs) Oh, shit. Hawkeye himself, Avengers number 63, 1969. And he also did this because of his feelings of inadequacy fighting alongside Thor and Hulk. And he's just a guy who shoots arrows and I'm next to a god. What I got to do something. So I think he, he goes to Hank and uh, becomes Goliath 2. Now, here's where he gets really fucking crazy. Oh, man, this is where I get, he gets really fucked up. This is the gist of this is the main legacy Hank Pym has left in the Marvel Universe. 
Um, Avengers this is like the unfortunate legacy of him. Yes, it really like, is. This is something that's everyone remembers this, even though this what you're going to say happened oh, uh, uh, almost 50 years ago. Yes, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> it, this is uh, it's a tragic history. Hank Pym when he becomes Yellow Jacket in Avengers number 59, 1968. Roy Thomas and John Buscema, great artist and writer, have created Yellow Jacket. Uh, what happened was Hank has another failed. You're gonna see a lot of trends. Uh, uh, trends of failed exper- experiments to begin with, like Ultron failed experiment. Hank has another failed experiment, and he accidentally doses himself with a chemical that causes schizophrenia. <laughs> and they allude to this in the movie with uh, pin particles fucking yes. with people's brains. Jeremy yes. crosses and. Hank Pym's. Pym creates this alternate identity Yellow Jacket, and he shows up telling everyone, I've destroyed Goliath. My name is Yellow Jacket. Like, totally fucking schizo. Like, he's not himself. Mm-hmm. You know, Yellow Jacket actually gives him the confidence to propose to Janet at the time, and they get married. Okay. Henry continues to be mentally unstable uh, at, with the Avengers, and this leads to a series of unfortunate events that would forever alter his life and define the character. This is mm-hmm. called the Trial of Yellow Jacket that took place uh, 1981, starting about Avengers 2012. Uh, what happens is Pym starts to get verbally abusive to Janet around the <laughs> Avengers. As he starts to be a little bit of a douche. Hank's a dick. He even blasts an opponent in the back right in front of Captain America as Cap's trying to negotiate and calm everybody down. Fucking Yellow Jacket shoots him in the back. Uh, Totally, uh, you know, just wrong. Captain America feeling endangered, feeling that he endangered the team in the public. He brings up court martial charges against Hank, Hank Pym. Uh, hey, and this, this now Hank makes two really bad decisions. So Hank and all his brilliant fucked up schizophrenic mind, he has a plan. He goes, I'm going to build a robot that only I can stop. And I'm going to have it attack the Avengers during my trial. Right? What? Yep. That's a great idea. Sounds like it'll be fine. Janet finds out about this plan and Hank turns around, hauls off, smacks her in the face. Oh shit. <laughs> This was hugely controversial. Of course it is. Uh, and it still is. But for a, in the 80s, for a comic book, the guy fucking smack his wife. People are like, what? You know, it's funny. I found out that Jim Shooter, the writer of the story, he actually intended uh, for Hank to accidentally hit her while gesturing. Kind of like oh, yeah. he was gesturing. But uh, apparently the artist misinterpreted it and drew it as a straight out fucking smackdown. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Your face ran into my fist. Exactly. I think that's what he meant. Anyway, so that was huge. So the plan of Hank's backfires during the trial. The robot tries to kill him and Janet has to step in and save him. Okay. So now Hank is just completely disgraced. His mind's all over the place. Uh, One of his villains, Egghead, tricks him into stealing uh, Admantium from the government. And he's framed for this. And Avengers, the Avengers step in, they stop him. He can't convince them that he's being framed by Egghead. He goes to jail and put on trial again. Although before this trial, the Egghead kidnaps him because he wants to make a device to give him um, eternal life. Hank tricks Egghead, makes a device. Eventually, he defeats the Masters of Evil. He takes down Egghead. A Hawkeye shows up at the last minute, kills Egghead. Hank is cleared of the charges. Hank quits the Avengers. And Hank, from this point on, Hank and Janice's relationship was never the same. Like, this broke it up pretty much for good. 
Of course. I mean, the thing is, too, about this is if Marvel wanted to... How can you make a movie about this fucking Hank Pym? Well, here's the thing. If Marvel really wanted to redeem this character, you know, obviously they had him smack his wife in the 80s. Do you remember reading the Ultimate, um, the Ultimates? That, oh, comic? that Yeah, they were very dark. They, they, they do it again. They have him smack Janet again. He in does that do comic. it again. That's right. You know what he does? Do you remember what he does? I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I he, forgot. He smacks they're arguing and he smacks her and he's like making fun of her for being a mutant. So he's belittling her. Oh, shit. She like gets mad and hits him. He hits her back, smacks her. Then she gets tiny. He he sprays her with bug spray <laughs> and then calls ants on her and have ants attack her while she's tiny. Oh, it's like shit. even worse. What a dick, dude. Here's the thing. Ham Kim So they is, keep fucking up Hank yeah, Pym. <laughs> no, but Pym, Pym has always traditionally been a little unstable douchebag like fucking dick like you can't want to make hank Pym this unstable wife beater which is is crazy this is why you start the movie with scott lang which is that's who's next scott lang becomes the second person to become ant-man he first again there's a two-parter he's his first appearance as scott lang was in avengers 181 1979 but in another uh title marvel premiere issues 47 48 in 1979 was his first appearance as the new ant-man Okay. Scott Lang was created by David Michelini and John Byrne, and largely, they it's true to what the movie did. He was a single dad. They wanted to set him apart from Hank. He had a sketchy past as a felon. Uh, in this version of the story, Cassie d- d- contracts an illness. He steals the Ant-Man That's his gear. daughter, Cassie. Cassie. Yeah, Cassie Lang develops a rare, rare illness. So he steals the Ant-Man gear from Hank Pym to rescue this one doctor that, that can save his daughter's life. Um Hank is actually touched by this and he allows Scott to keep the costume as long as he does good and be stay Ant-Man. Now, the beauty of this is that Marvel is now available. Uh, they were available to make Ant-Man fun again. They right. didn't have all this baggage and this fucked up schizophrenia storyline bagging it down. They could have lots of fun with Ant-Man, Scott Lang Ant-Man, and they do. Scott Lang is Ant-Man for a bunch of years, goes on a bunch of number of adventures, saves the team a bunch of times. Um, Towards the 2000s, he starts dating Jessica Jones, which is the same Jessica Jones, which will be Marvel's next Netflix Netflix TV show. So she had a series, which is a really great series, listener, highly recommended. It was called Alias. It was a 2001 series written by Brian Michael Bendis. Amazing covers by David Mack. These painted covers. This is what originally attracted me to this title, and I read, like, a lot of the run. It's very good. It's very good. Scott Lang is, uh, he's in a lot of it uh, because he's dating her. And uh, did you know that Jeff Johns also wrote Avengers for a bit? I did. I did know that. I did not know I, that. I own a Jeff Johns Avengers miniseries. Is it any good? Is it uh, so in number in Avengers sixty two two thousand three was where Scott Lang is formally invited to join the Avengers. Do you know if it's any good or yeah. do you- <laughs> is it any good? Uh, it was a Thor versus Iron Man miniseries, so oh. it, was, it was all right. Yeah, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank run. I guess they they wrote from nineteen ninety eight two thousand three. Uh, I was I didn't know that Jeff Johns, who uh, listener, if you don't know, Jeff Johns is the fucking fucking CEO of DC Comics right now, big man on campus over there. He's uh, writing uh, Justice League. He's writing right Justice League. He rebooted Green Lantern, uh, Flash. Flash. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just he's, he's gonna the, co-write he's gonna co-write the Batman movie with, with Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. He is the he is the, the he should be like Kevin Feige, except he's really comes from the the publishing Comics, comic book yeah. side of it. So at least he can keep like the storylines and the the essence of the character. 
Uh, but he worked for Marvel on Avengers. I did not know that. So Scott Lang, this this gets crazy. Scott Lang is killed in an explosion by the Jack of Hearts uh, during Avengers Disassembled in 2004. Okay. Written by Michael Bryan, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Okay. And uh, it was kind of Jack of Hearts caused by Scarlet Witch caused the Jack of Hearts to blow up Avengers Mansion, which apparently Scott Lang was in. They think he's dead. Now, there was another character. We have Black Goliath, also, oh also known as Giant Man 2. This character is actually kind of important. In Avengers number 32, back in 1966, Stanley and Don Heck introduced one Bill Foster. Bill was Hank's lab assistant. And Bill actually helped cure Hank when he was stuck as Giant Man for a while, or Goliath. So he, they, they were very, very close. He used the growth formula and became Black Goliath, of course. He actually had a crazy short-lived series in the Is Bronze he Age. Guy? He's a black guy. He's a black scientist. Okay. Black Goliath. Not racist at all. So at some point, he changes his name to Giant Man, leaving him the only uh, character to take two of Hank Pym's former names. So he's Black Goliath. He was also Giant Man, too. Now, why this character is huge is he was the first character to die in Marvel's Civil War. Oh, wow. He was killed by a clone of Thor, and his death was a turning point, which totally, uh, uh, a turning point in the series, which split the sides. Hmm. Did you, I picked up the new Secret Wars, number one, post-Secret Wars that's just out. You mean the Civil War? Uh, the Civil War, sorry. Civil War number yeah. one, which is about Battle World Civil War style. It's actually yeah. really cool. And they they talk about I wrote it too, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. They talk about That's Bill good. Foster. I like how they're the two sides are two sides of a land, you know. But in that book, did you notice they're like poor, poor Bill Foster? Like he was the yeah. first guy to die. So yeah. we have Black Goliath. Moving on, we also have Goliath Four. Jesus Christ. This guy was Eric Steven Johnson. He was another reformed villain. He was an ex-Shield guy. Uh, he used a stolen sample of pin particles, adopted the name Goliath. The fourth person to be Goliath. Reformed villain. Again, another theme. There's a lot of reformed villains that become Ant-Man. So he was a Goliath. Now, Dr. Pym. Hank goes by Dr. Pym after his disgrace as Yellow Jacket. He's completely penniless, broke, divorced. You know, really at the lowest point of his life. He quits the Avengers. He's now he just he's like just call me Doctor Pym. He goes and works for the West Coast Adventures as a as an advisor for a while, and he's suicidal during this time. But somehow they convince him to go back to work for the Avengers. He rejoins the Avengers, no costume, just seems I'm gonna, like a bad idea. I'm just yeah yeah. You think didn't uh, all the other times he was with the Avengers did not end up well? Oh shit. So he rejoins as Dr. Pym, and he's like, look, I'll help you shrink things and make things bigger and, and do what I can. Now I'll be a smart guy for you. Yeah, and we know how that works out if you've been reading any of the Illuminati stuff. He is the smartest guy. That's the thing that we, we mentioned, that Henry Pym is possibly the smartest, one of the smartest guys in the Marvel Universe. Up there. He's up there with uh, Tony Richards, Stark, with Tony Bruce Stark, Banner, with Reed Bruce Richards, T'Challa. Yes. Yes, these are all colleagues. These are all Illuminati. He is a smart motherfucker, and it's about time they add him to the big MCU. Now, here's a great story for you guys who want to pick up this run. In uh, During Scott Lang's death, there was yet another person to take on the moniker of Ant-Man. Now, if you like a dick, uh, kind of a dick asshole Ant-Man, check out the irredeemable Ant-Man from 2006. This was written by none other than Robert the Walking Dead Kirkman. Kirkman. Oh, shit. 
He introduces a third Ant-Man character called Eric O'Grady and his buddy Chris McCarthy. These guys are low-level shield agents who they're just dicks. They steal the costume. Uh, McCarthy is killed like instantly from an attack by Hydra, and Eric takes the costume and becomes the irredeemable Ant-Man. Now, apparently, from all the reviews, like all he used the costume was for to like stare at girls and be a douchebag. So it sounds like a lot <laughs> oh of fun. God. Yeah, he's like an. You just get real small and go into like a girl's boobs and I, stuff. Yeah, I think he just leered at women and tried to oh, pick up gross. girls with his Ant-Man. So wow. I, I kind of want to read this series. It sounds like a lot of fun. I love Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman's great. So I uh, feel like Rugboy would really like this. Yeah, series. Rugboy would love it. And that's why how we would use Ant-Man's power set is to get small and look at girls. That's that's exactly what he would do. He would go to get sandwiches and then look at girls. This is like this is like if a real fucking person had the powers. Like this is what you would really do with shrinking powers. You would just uh leer at women. Uh anyways, uh Eric O'Grady dies in Secret Avengers in 2012 written by Rick Remender, and he's actually replaced by an LMD, and he's actually an Avenger. Mm-hmm. So he's still dead, but he's alive as an LMD. Crazy fucking comic story. Uh, fucking this weird. LMD goes on to be known as the Black Ant, and he's actually one of the Ant-Man villain identities, so he's a bad guy. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. We also have to mention Yellow Jacket 2. This happened way back in Avengers 264 in 1986, written by Roger Stern, John Buscema again. This is about this lady, Rita Demera. She also works for S.H.I.E.L.D., and she stole one of the yellow jacket suits, and she becomes a bad, a supervillain. She joins Baron Zemo, master of vil- the Masters of Evil, but then she also reforms and becomes good. There's this theme with these people. They all start out bad. They're all reformed villains. And she... Um, she hung out with the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, for a bit, and she was killed in this Avengers saga called The Crossing. Okay. All right. Moving on. We have a fifth Goliath. Fucking A. Remember Black Goliath was Bill Foster? Goliath yep. 5 is the super smart scientist nephew of Bill Foster, Tom Foster. Tom Foster hangs out with T'Challa. T'Challa actually championed him and helped him become a hero, helped him become Goliath, uh, the first appearance of Goli- this Goliath is in Black Panther issue 23 in 2006. And this Goliath was created by Reginald Hudlin, Greg Koch, okay. and Coy Turnbull. So this Goliath is still around. Um, now, even Cassie Lang gets into the mix. Little Cassie Lang. Didn't we love her in the movie? She plays a big role. Cassie Lang becomes a superhero known as Stature. After Scott Lang died... Cassie Lang took this growth formula, or the suit, I can't remember which, but she joins the Young Avengers in honor of Scott Lang's memory. Right? Okay. Now, here's the big fucking irony. This is kind of tragic. The Scarlet Witch, I think, knowing that she caused the Jack of Hearts to kill Scott, she brings Scott back to life. However, Scott comes back in life just in time to see Cassie Lang die at the hands of Doctor Doom in a battle. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. And Scott is like, thanks for bringing me back. You couldn't have brought me back like 10 minutes sooner? You couldn't bring him back at a worse time, you Yeah, so he comes back. Cassie dies. He's devastated. He goes on to lead the Future Foundation for a while. And then um, he returns as Ant-Man to honor her memory. Right? So she started fighting to honor his memory. He comes back. She dies. He gets back to fighting to honor her memory. Now, luckily, because comics people, Cassie Lang's brought back to life in Access. They're actually all alive. They're very well. They are in the new Ant-Man comic book that just came out, uh, written by Nick Spencer, drawn by Ramon Rosanas. Now, if you like this movie... 
This is the book to pick up. This started in 2015. It's Scott Lang, Ant Man. It's it's the it's the same tone of the movie. It's really good. You I know, heard it's really fun. I yeah, I've been reading it. It's a lot of fun. It's a great a great place to pick up uh, and go along with Scott Lang because all this other shit is very confusing. He's got Hank Pym has a crate. Like you'd have to go back and read a lot of comic books to get the full Hank Pym experience. But pick up. The new Ant-Man 2015, I'll put a link in the show notes, shockandnerd.com slash 26 or slash Ant-Man. Start reading this. It is a really, the book has a lot of heart. It's fun. It's it's great. Like, I highly recommend it. So it's a great place to get it. Now, we can't end this without talking about one more identity um, Hank Pym took. This is the first time Hank, though, takes somebody else's identity instead of just making different ones for himself. He was Wasp for a while. Jeez. That's so This weird. is the sixth identity... By Hank Pym. Uh, when Janet died or was like stuck in the microverse as she was, he took the name Wasp to honor her memory. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's nice of him yeah. to beat his wife and then. He smacks his wife uh, around. She dies. And then smack he, her you know, around and then take her identity. Wait a bite. Oh, shit. Um, so uh, Scott Lang, uh, Ant-Man, also, he gets resurrected. Uh, that was Scarlet Witch resurrect him. And it's in the Avengers, the Children's Crusade. Have you read that? I heard that was pretty good, too. No, I haven't. A lot of Is important, a lot of important things happen there, and there's another great title. It's called FF that came out in 2012, written by Mac Fraction, illustrated by the great Mike Mike Allred. It was the Marvel Now title, and uh, it has to do with Ant Man comes out of retirement. It's really fun. It's Scott Lang Ant Man. He temporarily comes out of retirement to lead the Future Foundation because <laughs> Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four, they're going on this crazy time travel. It's kind of like a time-traveling field trip for their kids. They tell him, they're like, look, I'm going to take my kids on this time-traveling whole thing and show them some things. We should be gone for four minutes. Can you be? Can you lead the Future Foundation for four minutes? We'll be right back. Scott like, so, all right, whatever, fine. Four minutes, fuck it. I can't fuck that up. Well, people, we all know comic books, and it's not four minutes. Things don't go as planned. They get stuck in time, and Scott is left leading. It's great. It's a great series. It's FF Volume Two. I'll put a link in the show notes. Definitely. Check let me out. let me just acknowledge at this point that you've gone since we've gone through all this stuff. If you listener are having trouble following what Imran is saying, don't you worry. Because I'm in the same boat. I'm having a lot of trouble following all this nerd shit right now. Listener, this is why I do the research. This is why I've laid this all out. <laughs> because this is to show you what awesome characters they have in the comic books. And maybe a hint of stuff to come that they can pull from. There's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of stuff here that they can start to use. It's a lot of fun. But this is why I love comics, too. Because of crazy shit like this. Yeah, I agree. I, hopefully this show does provide some content. I was super confused. I guess that's the whole point of this is that Ant-Man, his whole backstory and Henry P Hank Pym and Scott Lang is just super confusing. So Imran, job well done. You confused the shit out of me. And I think that was the point. You know, hopefully we get to see giant man get big. Uh, maybe they just leave out the wife beating bit and leave uh, out the wife work, beating stuff. Work around just that. Maybe just <laughs> allude to him being unstable and leave out the wife beating. Oh, stuff. Yeah, they can work around that. But I want to see him get really big. And that's the yeah. whole point of this. Uh, listener, if you enjoyed any of this, if we made you laugh, chortle, snicker, guffaw, um, giggle. What the fuck is all that? They're just uh, different synonyms for laugh. 
Oh, yeah. So if we made you do any of those, how about you let us know? Send us a comment. You can send us a speak pipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash jockandnerd or click the little link in the show notes. You can also email us your thoughts or your audio voice memo. Show at jockandnerd. You can tweet at us at jockandnerdcast. Find us on Facebook slash jockandnerd. And, of course, Clamor on the Clamor app. Now, Anthony, if they really want to support us, what should they do? Well, hopefully you listen to that commercial that we played. I know this is a podcast, so you can skip over the commercials. So if you didn't listen no. to that commercial... Ooh, nobody's skipping over things. What are you talking no, about? No, <laughs> hopefully not. But I'm going to reiterate, the biggest way you can help us is by subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher and giving us a nice rating and a good review. It really helps the show. It gets our show out there to our ever-growing audience. And you can support the show very easily by going on to jockandnerd.com. Clicking on review, there's a step-by-step directions Posted on there by Imran on how to leave us a review. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yeah, I made, I, made it re- I made it really easy. Just visit j- or go to jockandnerd.com slash review. It goes right to yep. the iTunes store. And, of course, all the lovely links, jockandnerd.com. And finally, listener, as always, if you really want to help out, just tell a buddy. We're, we're big fans of word of word of mouth marketing. Word of, we are huge advocates. Word of mouth marketing is really the best way to spread this stupidity around. Tell someone who you maybe went to see Ant Man with. Tell someone who you think would love this. You know what? Here, let's do this. I want you to go up to someone and give them one of these. Talking nerd. If that if that's too if okay, look if that's too intense, you want to be a little more subtle. You can give them one of these. Talking nerd. Right. Uh, now, if you want to be dramatic. You want to you know, hold for pause? You could do one of these. Jock and nerd. Uh, I think, Anthony, while, you, while you're working out. Yeah, when I'm, so I, you could do any of those three. The actions, gym is a great just, place to, to when spread When you're at this. the gym and go, you go up to huge meatheads and you just go, you slap them in the face and you go, bro. Or you go, do you even podcast, bro? And then tell them about the Jock and Nerd podcast. You can follow up with one of these. Jock and nerd. Uh, yeah. Look, now. Maybe- or in between bench presses, you just do one set and this then is, you go. This is how you count your reps. Jock and nerd. One, Jockenard. Three, Jockenard. There you go. See, you get you get the picture. People, that'll and, get- and everyone around you will hear this, and they will start to migrate to their iTunes app and start downloading Jockenard. Hey, podcast. maybe you're a member of a podcast, bro. Do you even podcast, bro? Maybe you're a member of a symphony orchestra, and you just happen to have, oh, say, a percussion instrument, and it happens to be a timpani on your person. I would love it if you could just give a friend one of these. Nerd. In fact, if you do that and capture it and send it to us, you win. You win. You win everything. You win the Super Fan Award. I will name my firstborn fucking kid after you. If you could show me on video with a timpani to a complete stranger. Nerd. Imran will also send you a lifetime supply of comics. You will win the Super Fan Award. You can have all my comic books. Oh my God. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. This is fucking completely ridiculous. Okay. Stupid. Well... <laughs> You guys, no, but seriously, tell a friend. Just tell a friend. That's the point. Yeah. Word of mouth marketing. You guys, thanks for listening. It's been a great show. My name's Imran. And my name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Stick around for a super awesome Spider-Man gypsy jazz cover by my friends, Gabe Taylor, Charles Williams. Thanks again for making the music, you guys. We'll see you next time. Jockin' nerd. Jockin' nerd.